his story. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict, the mother country, Britain. Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. On the appointed day in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. And they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one -one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight, you're free. He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over. These men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's, that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says, it's predominantly not a military fort. He said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds. The ships got closer. Francis Scott Key went back up on top and he said, men, I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch. As twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. <clears throat> he says the sound was deafening. There were so many guns that there were no reliefs. He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, tell us where the flag is. What have they done to the flag? 
Is the flag still flying over the park? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling. Every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag, they could see the flag in the illuminated red glare of that bomb. And Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below, it's still up. It's not down. The admiral came and he said, your people are insane. He said, what's the matter with them? He said, don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key said he remembered what George Washington had said. He said the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees. The Admiral said we have now instructed all of the guns to focus on the rampart to take that flag down. He said we don't understand something. Our reconnaissance tells us that that flag has been hit directly again and again and again, and yet it's still flying. We don't understand that. But he said, now we're about to bring every gun for the next three hours to bear on that point. Francis Scott Key said the barrage was unmerciful. All that he could hear was the men down below praying. The prayer. God keep that flag flying where we last saw it. Sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough. There stood the flag, completely nondescript, in shreds. The flagpole itself was at a crazy angle. The flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key went aboard and immediately went into Fort Henry to see what had happened. And what he found had happened was that that flagpole and that flag had suffered repetitious direct hits. And when hit had fallen. But men, fathers, knew what it meant for that flag to be on the ground, although knowing that all of the British guns were trained on it, walked over and held it up humanly until they died. Their bodies were removed and others took their place. Francis Scott Key said what held that flagpole in place at that unusual angle were patriots' bodies. He penned the song, Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming or the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet fly and wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. The debt was demanded. The price 
it was paid. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the rain. We watched were so gallantly screaming, and the rockets breaking, the bombs bursting in through the I'm not crying. You're crying. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Today is Wednesday, the 20th of September, 2023. I think it's important for everyone to know how important being an American is and what it really stands for. The rebels, the ones that saw through the tyranny, the repetitive tyranny throughout history of monarchs and people deifying others as gods, rather than realizing that they themselves can self-govern quite easily. And it brought me to this discussion that I've had many times in the past, it's more philosophical, I guess, but religious-based. You've probably heard it before, the idea that the devil fought for Moses' body. Now, many religions across the world have talked about this because it was mentioned 
passage in the Deuteronomical um, and the, the apocryphal books of Jude in the New Testament. And specifically, Jude 1 9 states, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. The exact reason of why the devil would fight so hard for Moses' body is not ever explained in the text. And therefore, discussions, interpretations, speculations have been swarming for many, many, many years. The actual book of Jude doesn't provide any context or here's what happened before or this is the, the details of the conversation, nor uh, you know, do any other of, of the books that we're allowed to see in scriptures make mention of it. And keep in mind that this account is also very different from the Old Testament narrative of Deuteronomy, where Moses dies and is buried in an undisclosed location by God himself, allegedly, right? in Deuteronomy 34, 5, 6. Now, God himself could be implied that people did it for him because that would be the same thing. Service to another is what is Christ-like. But there are many theories and there's, there's one thing that I believe is key. And it was the only um, surah that I've ever played where it's one of the most emotional ones uh, from the Quran uh, where they have Jesus having a conversation with the Father, God, and begging him while he was out in the desert. You know how many times in the Bible it's like, yeah, left for the desert for so many days, but they never tell you what happens in the desert. Well, here's where we're kind of told what allegedly happened in the desert. And what allegedly happened was that he was apologizing for people deifying him, Jesus, when he is simply his son trying to save them. That, that is the way he came as a mortal being. This is what was being discussed. And see, that actually was the foundation of the first discussion I had on this with people in actual Jerusalem. I was actually a teenager when I had this conversation with um, a rabbi and an imam, uh, the idea of why this is being discussed, why would the devil fight for the body? And the reason is, is because Moses's Moses was well-loved and he was respected as a leader and, and people looked to him for help, looked to him to lead the way. So the devil thought, what better thing than to take his body and make it an object of idol worship to lead the Israelites astray? So why not deify the relic of Moses? And, uh, you know, I, this is where I kind of clash heads with the new Orthodox church that developed after, you know, 1029. Deifying and creating an idol to worship is, is the problem here. 
Moses was a great and respected leader. So if his remains had become a focal point of maybe, oh, if you touch it, it's a miracle. Or if you ask a question in the presence of his femur, you're going to get your answer. They could have become a focal point for inappropriate veneration or idolatry, which in fact go against the actual commandments of God. So deification is something that people always had. Creating one person, you know, that you can fall behind and follow, like the Pied Piper. And see, I see many discussions happening. Oh, they idolize President Trump, and it's like they're deifying him. See, there's a very fine line between love and hate, and there's a very fine line between idolizing and working together or agreeing or investing in someone. Your trust and your, I would say, aspirations to be carried for you, like Atlas, right? It's not like Atlas... Like, well, okay, well, that's a bad example because Atlas was allegedly a god, but Atlas took on the problems of the world and carried the world. But he would not be able to carry the world, per se, metaphorically, if the people didn't give him that power. There's a big difference. It's almost like how the Constitution was created. It was created for us to understand that we are ultimately the ones in charge. There is no our God, which is in Washington, D.C., right? It is our ability to say, hey, I'm going to trade in this right so I could give it to you to manage for me. And once you stop managing for me, I'm take it back, right? That's basically how it works. No idolizing the government. No idolizing one individual. It's very important that we protect our Constitution. And during my show on Constitution Day, I pointed out how the discussions on TV were how they need to get rid of the Constitution. As an American, as someone who holds dear the very fabric of our nation, which is the U.S. Constitution, right? I can tell you it's not just a document, not just a uh, ink that dried on some parchment. It's the depiction, the illustration, the crystallization of, of an idea, of a dream that men and women who fought, bled, and died for, and who stacked their bodies to hold up our flag so they don't surrender, represent themselves in this. It's the actual fortress of our liberty, the, 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 the Constitution. It's a shield that guards our rights and how we use them. And it's actually our compass that has guided this nation 
for over 200 years through very turbulent times, aiming for that perfect union. For 200 years of growing pains. Now, the Constitution is an enduring testament to the vision of our founding fathers. They didn't claim to have all the answers. They weren't all saints, right? But they were people that thought that they could provide the future with the framework robust enough to be adaptable, yet principled enough to withstand the pressures of liberalism, populism, tyranny, and fear. The Constitution recognized the flaws that people have, giving good guidelines, but challenges us to be even better. That we all seek the truth, strive for justice, and, and above all, of course, right? Protect the individual freedoms that make this land the home of the brave and of the free. We are, as I've said before, in the age of information. And there is a clamor of discord that seems to overpower the unity and the foundations that bind our people together. Defending the Constitution and upholding it is not just a duty. While many take the oath, they forget that upholding and defending the Constitution is not just a duty, it is an act of patriotism, for it serves as the keystone in the arch of the American Republic. And in it, it's locked into place with the stones of separation of powers, checks and balances, and federalism that undergird our system of governance. When we defend the Constitution, we rise above partisanship, for we're defending the very rules of the game. The very rules of the game. The sacred covenant that says, in America, power derives from the consent of those that are governed, not from the barrel of a gun and with complacency and being complicit with taking orders or on the whims of a monarch or tyrant. So for those that suggest that the Constitution is outdated, that it's irrelevant now in the digital age, we must understand that the principles of freedom, equality, and justice are axioms. They don't age and grow and progress in time. They simply are and can never be outdated. Those principles of freedom, equality, and justice are the North Star and, and you know, the heavenly constellation of our shared humanity.
those principles of freedom, equality, and justice guide us through the darkest nights towards what we want, a better tomorrow, not just for us, but for generations to come. And it is our duty, each and every one of us, to be the stewards of these principles. We should be defending notions, wants, values of those we even disagree with. Because if you do not do that today, no one will do that for you tomorrow. But, it, you know, when you say defending the Constitution, it's not, oh, I, nah, and I'm going to like lay over the document. It's, you have to be the embodiment of the Constitution. You have to embody the ideals in your actions, in your words, and in your hearts. You have to teach your kids not just to recite the preamble, but to understand the profound implications that were, that the, 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 the goal was to create a more perfect union where liberty are, is, is a birthright, not a privilege, okay? We have a lot of challenges coming. And uh, as I said with my T30, 18 was the kickoff. Because that's where you had to put your hands in the cart and keep them on your lap at all times because it's about to get bumpy. Hence why I did my show on Constitution Day. This is where the party begins. And one thing I can say, if we are armed with the wisdom of our forebears and the courage of our convictions, there is absolutely no obstacle and no challenge, no mountain too high that we can't overcome. Because this is the land of the free. It's not just, you know, the cool landscapes and, you know, tumbleweeds through the mid <laughs> the midlands but the possibility of demonstrating service to one another and acceptance of one another regardless of where they sit on any spectrum in any topic when we defend the constitution we don't just preserve history we shape the future. And that's what's important. That is key here. It is key. You have to be it. Almost like I say, can't just put a Bible up in front of you and say, I'm a Christian and here's what it says. You have to be it, not just say it. Now let's take a fun musical interlude. Listening always to the lyrics. Because when we come back, we're first going to talk about this F-35 because there's a lot people aren't telling us. Here we go. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. So I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me. And people like you wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. All it is living in a new world with an old soul. These rich men, nor of Richmond, Lord knows they all just wanna have total control. 
wanna know what you do And they don't think you know But I know that you do Cause your color ain't shit And it's texture no pen Cause those rich men North rich men Living in the new world Politicians look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the OPs milking welfare. But I hear no five foot three and no three hundred pounds taxes ought not to pay for your bags of much rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, cause all this impact. Does is keep on kicking them down It's a dead shame What the world's gotten to For people like me And people like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is All it is Living in the new world With an old soul These rich men North of Richmond Lord What you think, what I know what you do, and they don't think you know, but I know that you do, cause your dollar ain't shit, and it's text to no end, cause those rich men, North rich men, living in the new world. Well, I actually like that. You see, Ma Maestro Zikos is the one that does these videos. I mean, they, they take a lot of time. You know, editing just takes a heck of a lot of time. Now, I thought I'd start with the F-35 debacle. Um, as you all know, I put out a video where it's kind of like, all right. You know, when I was following it, I was trying to find and see what the angle was. I mean, what's the whole purpose? What is the purpose of getting on the internet on September 18th, telling people, hey, by the way, um, here's what happened. We kind of, our pilot ejected, so the pilot ejected, in a fighter jet, an F-35 stealth fighter jet, which means stealth means you don't see me. Now you see me, now you don't. So this guy ejects. And you have to think, you know, as a pilot, when you eject, especially over a populated area, you got to think twice before you do it. The only way you'll eject is if you know you're in a lot of trouble. For example, you'll eject if someone else has control of your plane and you can't disengage autopilot. You'll eject if, you know, things are starting to, you know, change your flight path, right? That is when you inject, eject. You eject when you have no control over your plane, right? It's almost like a car. No one's going to open the door and roll out unless they're like, yo, someone's taking over my car. This thing's heading to a pole. I'm going to jump out, right? And the way that they asked, you know, it, it, it blew my mind. And I think, I think, I really do think the joint 
Oh my gosh. Ba, 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 ba. I really thank them. And I'll tell you why um, I thank them. Joypeus Charleston did a very good thing to let us know and say, hey, by the way, if you see this plane, let me know. Cause, cause we don't know where it is. So eyes up. Now, while many people are pointing to crash remains saying, oh, that's where it happened. Well, I'm going to tell you what the more plausible scenario is, and then you'll understand why I am grateful that they put that out. Well, first, a little bit of this comic relief from <laughs> local news and trust. Here you go. Uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching, saw that between a screech and a whistle. I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom in my whole house show. White says he didn't realize it was a plane at the time, so he didn't call anybody. The first thought came to me, I said, must see the meteorite come out of space or something? And I said, well, if the airplane, it needed to be reported, but the thing was flying is too low. The F-35B airplane wreckage created an extensive debris field. The wreckage is located off Old Georgetown Road. Military security is very tight with numerous red and white signs on the... Alrighty then. So eyewitness, <laughs> eyewitness, while he was shaving, felt it shake. It's almost like the, I ain't got time for that. Or like, you remember the guy that was explaining how someone came in, hide your children, right? But I wanted to say, here's something that we're not talking about. So as we all know, and we're going to watch this together, Biden was addressing the UN General Assembly. I mean, I don't even know how they got him there for 30 minutes. Whoever was playing Biden yesterday did a pretty good job, sort of. Standing up, not tripping over his own feet, not really forgetting where he is, right? So, what are they not telling you? Now, here is what's insane. So as you know, uh, lots of dignitaries are coming to town, right? And, and this is what I would like to call time in a bottle. Time in a bottle is a metaphorical term that we wish to capture this perfect and precious moment. <laughs> Let's just stick it in a bottle because it's beautiful. In respects to the missing F-35, it happened to coincide with the Chinese delegation's visit for a UN meeting. You're gonna be like, yeah, and so the Germans came, Iranians came, whatever, right? Well, the thing that's missing here is that the Chinese delegation flew into the United States on um, uh, just a regular aircraft. It was a um, commercial craft, um, a Boeing 747 from Air China. And that Air China 747 jetliner that flew a delegation from the People's Republic to New York City for the UN landed and is parked at Joint Base Charleston. So they came in at Joint Base <laughs> the same place we got, we lost control of our F-35. 
their plane was at Joint Base Charleston. And it's being parked there until the 21st of September. Uh, and, you know, and no one wants to talk. Oh, it just so happened that the Chinese were in the same, <laughs> at the same base where the pilot lost control of the F-35, right, and ejected. Now, debris field, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, definitely, probably, if it was flying around, you think Space Force would let that happen? That thing was incinerated. Incinerated. You have no idea what kind of weapons we actually have. And I say this because, you know, nobody, you know, wants to talk about it, right? This is it. It's almost like when 9-11 happened, the first thing I thought of, because I was trained this, that airspace is very protected. Right now, if you were to take your little private jet and you're flying, right, around New York, right, and you don't respond or you're heading into a collision course with anything, it could be a house, it could be a tall building, you will be shut down. You will be incinerated in the sky. But they didn't do it in 9-11, even though those are the usual orders of airspace. They let not one but two allegedly planes hit. Oh, and then the Pentagon, too. <laughs> Stop it. So now, you know, as we're having these discussions, right, we need to thank the Twitter account holder of that base for bringing that to our attention. Because guess what? Just like nobody saw the incineration or felt the move of incinerating something, was it the F-35? Or could it be, hey, that shit was stolen, or the Chinese took it, because, you know, we have the Chinese on the same damn base where this plane went missing. But, you know, <laughs> it's just a coincidence, right? Ah. Uh, so there's two scenarios here. One, the Chinese that were on that base were able to hack it. And, you know, I did mention Google balloons on that day. Is it a balloon? Is it aliens? What is it? Right? It just so happened that that balloon had trekked down that path. Remember? Do you remember that? So here's where the Chinese come in. They park on our base because that's where you put these people, right? You put the people that are your enemies onto a base that has stealth fighter jets. And your stealth fighter jet happened to be out there. And it, it was, uh, it lost control. So what they do? They probably shot it down. Space Force did. Incinerated it. Incinerated it. I repeat incinerated it, or they just shot down a little bit of incineration of something to cover up for the fact that it's still missing. So, you know, I did a whole show uh, a couple years ago on the um, Lockheed software that was on some of these Boeing planes. If you remember the Addis Ababa plane hack, right? Where they crashed. You should go look it up on Tori said, you know, and these planes, some of them retired, some no. The concern that I have is that the same software is on A380s, which are the big transatlantic ones. 
And the bigger concern that I have is that lately American Airlines have been has been having issues in regards to their patient manifest. That's important. Patient, patient. Did I say patient? Oh, Freudian slip right there. Their passenger manifest. They've been having issues. So those of you that have been flying with American lately have been turning up to your gate and you know, you may be economy, you may be first class. If you're first class, you're in economy. If you're in economy, you have no seat. And then they're like, oh, my bad. We're going to fix it again. And it happens all the time. So the manifests of the people that are in your possession or on your plane are very important. And it concerns me that American has been having this problem repeatedly for the past, you know, 14 days that the manifests are constantly being changed without their knowledge? I don't know. So that's something to, to keep in mind that is constantly happening. Because uh, it's, it's pretty important. But, you know, today... I wanted to tell you the root of the Russia hoax, but also show you exactly how wars are conducted. You know, we have been discussing for years on air the concerns we have with war. There are many of you that have conversations on various social media platforms on, you know, World War One. we've never this and that. Look. There are a lot of things that can be done under the auspices of, you know, treaties. I talked about USAID and how Russia had kicked them out, right? And the reason they kicked them out is because they no longer agreed with allowing them permission to be within their borders because they were meddling, right? So up until that point, the State Department and USAID and Soros and all these other NGOs <coughs> were allowed to conduct activities within Russia to overthrow the very government that gave them permission to go in there because they had agreements, okay? Because they had agreements. Now, if, for example, Congress was to come out and say, hey, we're going to war with Russia, what do you think the American population would say. I want you to think about that just for a second while we have a musical interlude. I want you to think, if the United States told you that, hey, we're going to war with Russia, what would you say? Don't tread on me, son. Don't tread on me. Don't tread on me. Better leave me alone, cause I wanna be free and I'll dance your fight for my liberty. I'm telling you, brother, don't tread on me. Yeah, I'm telling you, brother, don't tread on me. No. Well. Welcome back. 
I hope you enjoyed that military. Oh my gosh. Today with all my slip ups and everything that I not, not, not. All right. So let's get going. Let's talk about what's really going on. And I think we need to go back in time. Let me put my little TARDIS. There we go. Let's go back in time for a second. Okay. We need to go back in time for a second to 2015 when the plan was already unfolding to hold these monsters accountable. Hillary Clinton was under scrutiny. Remember that? Mid-year exam was happening. The State Department was covering for her, right? Because we had a little POS IG of the State Department. Oh, we need to separate our servers from the State Department so I can keep, you know, everything in order, of course. And that happened just as they were ordered to provide emails. Oh, you know, we need so much money. That way they can delete any communications. And the IG of the State Department has full control of telling on himself. <laughs> I mean, why not? Right? Because he's totally going to tell on himself, right? That's basically it. So this is 2015 where they're having these discussions. And for years, I've put this content out. So please revisit it. But so as that is happening, they're realizing once President Trump announced he's running, they're in a lot of trouble. They are in a lot of trouble. So it's like, dang, oh, we're, we've got enough rhinos to, to, to not give him the nomination. We're going to be fine. We're going to be totally fine. Don't worry about it. We're going to be totally cool. <sighs> but they did not count for the people. Damn, why aren't those people sleeping? Got to get into gear. Let's use what we got. Hey, Five Eyes, you guys want this globalism thing to go? You want us to be one power against another power with all these stupid agreements? You want us to be giants? Because we got to fight for Africa because the Chinese and the Russians are smarter than us and they move faster. We need to, do, you know, do this. We need to get together. Help. And then Harry Reid, who has a fucking airport named after him, which is insane, right? Same guy who hit himself with a TheraBand and sued them because he didn't know how to freaking use a band. That guy, he had actually gotten caught with hookers pissing on his bed. So they took his story and created a dossier with the help of the British, the Germans, the Australian, you know, five eyes, right? Huh. And then you think about it and you're like, okay, so five eyes is in on this. Unless the communications were being done on foreign servers and no U.S. server, like, I don't know, GMX or whatever, right? Then the NSA had full eyes on everything. I mean, their phone calls, their texts. I don't give a shit if you've got a flip phone, NSA could listen to you. Done. So in 2016, the NSA saw the setup. Now, they started really, really well. I mean, they, they, were, they were hunting down for General Flynn. Because General Flynn fucked up, right? He did. Let's be straight. In the past, he had fucked up thinking he could get away with something that all the other generals did. And no one would do anything because if he gets in trouble, then everybody else gets in trouble, right? But 
rules for thee, but not for me, right? So And again, I say, I put my career on the line for that man for one reason and one reason only. Because he actually stood up for his soldiers. And for me, that's key. That is where your character shows when your back is up against the wall. No matter how much stupid bullshit you do in between. It's when, you're, when your feet are on fire and you're walking on nails and you're in a box in a box, so deep in that box that you can't even move your elbow, that's where your character shows and kind of like that, okay? So having said that, they had already started with that. He wasn't very smart. He underestimated. I don't think he underestimated. He just assumed there would be civility, which there was not. And so in 2016, we had Ambassador Tev over at the Moscow Embassy, like I wrote about it before everybody knew about it, unmasking many people, including General Flynn. I think he unmasked him in November of 2016. I already knew, right? But the real problem was stemming from Ukraine. See, this is where all the conversations about the dossier were happening. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Pick up what I'm putting down. The conversations in regards to the dossier were happening in Ukraine. And so, here we are in 2016. For the first time in history, the position of the IG of the NSA by Barack Hussein Obama has been now proclaimed to be a presidential appointment. That has never happened before. He just proclaimed it. He said, I'm picking it. And during the presidential transition period, Meaning, you're going out, so don't fucking do shit that will bind the next president. That's basically what happens, right? So, he still nominated Robert Storch for the IG of the NSA, hopeful, hoping that because he had control of the Senate and Congress that they would put it through, but they all wanted to get elected and... They all wanted to get into the good graces with President Trump, so they just played dumb. So he never got nominated under Obama. Now we fast forward, there's an inauguration coming up. So the next thing Renegade does is he gets Jay Johnson to, out of the blue, right out, it's like he pulled it out of his ass. He was sitting there on the toilet thinking, and he's like, well, that's an idea. I'm going to just create a new division in DHS. I self-proclaim it. And it's all about elections, too. <laughs> Why? Remember Jill Stein? I'm going to audit the vote. <laughs> and who helped her? Hillary Clinton, right? Remember that? They were watching to see what they needed to do for the next ones. <laughs> mm. This coffee is so good. So, huh? And then they just had... FISA warrants renewed again. <laughs> you know, why not? They added more pages. They had gone to our old shindigs and embankment to have conversations in person. Like the places at Costa Coffee and shit aren't bugged. But anyway, nor is the hotel, of course. <laughs> so they had everything planned. We're going to give him hardcore warfare. Not civil warfare. 
First, we're going to take out General Flynn because we caught him. He thought he would be afforded the same, uh, what is it, customs that others do. Fuck now. One phone call that wasn't really a big problem. The thing is, why didn't he tell Pence? Because he fucking knew who Pence was. Hello? Doesn't take a rocket scientist. I mean, why'd he lie? He should have just not lied. But on the other hand, I would have probably lied too, knowing who Pence is. Right? Like, wouldn't you? Remember, he was in the Senate. What have I said about people in the Senate? That's right. So, he lied. Well, why'd you lie? He had to know. He didn't. He could have just told him the truth because sometimes using the truth helps more than obfuscating it. But he made that call. I would have done the same call. I'm just being dead serious. I would have probably made the same call of not telling the truth to Pence because General Flynn knew. So did I. So obviously a lot of other people knew. And the thing is, damn it. Damn it, General Flynn. We could have just went with the truth. But sometimes we're so scared and we're conditioned, you know, that our faith is lacking in that, that, that we drop the ball sometimes and that's okay. So anyway, fast forward, we had the FBI weaponized. The FBI was like, look, we didn't do this. This is like foreign stuff. You know, let's remember the Ukrainians involved. Do you remember Fusion GPS involved? Do you remember where she worked that desk? Mr. Oh, Bruce Ors wife. Oh, yeah, that's a Ukrainian fucking desk. People should start reading my articles to understand the origins of the Russia hoax because Mueller had no fucking idea. Neither did others. So here we are in Ukraine organizing the whole Russia hoax under the guise of Robert Storch and his wifey. Oh, let me rewind again. Let's go back in time to 2009. Barack Hussein Obama is president. Biden is vice president. Biden is in charge of Ukraine. Biden requests that Robert Storch and his wife set up a national anti-corruption bureau in Ukraine. And they did. Wait, what? So Storch was directed by Biden to create the anti-corruption bureau of Ukraine. All right. And his wife. All right. Fantastic. So now let's fast forward to 2017 where we left off. President Trump, surrounded by really evil people, was suggested, hey, you need to recommend Robert Storch for IG of the NSA. Now tell me why the fuck President Trump would be like, that sounds like a good idea because Barack totally changed the position in 2016 during the presidential transition period and he nominated him. Sounds like a really good idea. The fuck he would. He was just so busy and overwhelmed being new in the position that he trusted the fuckers next to him. Pretty simple. So he nominates him. As he nominates him, get this, Storage is interviewing, and we have the Skype video with Ukraine. This is why I was having Millie constantly put out videos about overcollection 702s, with, you know, wiretapping, IG of the NSA, Storch. I've written so much about it, and our media has done such a disservice not talking about the tyranny that we are under, which I am explaining to you right now. Because the media is the biggest enemy that we have. They write 
out exactly what happens. I mean, even with the F-35, they were trying to convince you that it went missing two days earlier. They were using footage from other things and planting it everywhere, telling you it was the crash. And this is what happened. The media lies. And the fastest way that they lie and the best way they do is by switching up timelines and cutting footage, right? We've seen that. When there were explosions, they were using explosions from like 20 years ago. And then people were like, wait a minute. So here we are in 2017. Someone that President Trump allegedly nominated for the position of the IG of the NSA. And remember, the IG of the NSA oversees, right? Oversees everything that the National Security Agency does. You know, the one that, that Edward Snowden came from, the one that I trained with, too. Those are the people that the IG oversees. He's the watchdog. He's the one that says, hey, 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 you're not following the rules. You're not allowed to wiretap that. Hey, 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 that's an overcollection. We could get in trouble for that. It says 72 hours. You need to purge that shit. Hey, 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 hey. There's a whistleblower called Eric Sierra Wait a minute. Why didn't he come to me? Or did he? See, I'm putting it together for you because unfortunately pieces can only be put back together going backwards, right? You need to understand the whole picture to put the pieces together, even though you have all the fucking pieces on ToriSays.com. So here we are at this point in 2017 where President Trump nominated him in February of 2017. This guy's interviewing in April with the cabinet of Ukraine for a position within the cabinet of Ukraine's government, okay? And he's on the, 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 the docket to be confirmed for IG of the NSA. Get the fuck out of here. So, 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 as we move forward, President Trump withdraws that nomination completely. Now I'm going to say something, and I stand by this shit like nobody's business. I looked everywhere to find where President Trump had renominated him. I kid you not. I had scoured the internet. I had contacted Senate, Congress. They said, no, he pulled it. There's nothing. I contacted all my sources within the Capitol to find me where he renominated him, and there was no record. But record came up after I sent all this information to the Department of Justice, claiming that Mitch McConnell had confirmed the IG of the NSA without the President of the United States renominating him. So then post that filing in December of 2017, you know, when the AG was after me, when President Trump, I had organized something, and on the day he was supposed to come, instead, he put out this executive order because he had unscheduled plans that were canceled, right? During that period of time, right, I had also filed this and said, listen, Mitch McConnell passed this shit with a voice vote. The fuck? He had pulled the nomination. How did this happen? Now, I'll tell you what. I have brought this up to many people in Congress, and I hope all of you can urge your senators and your congressmen to come back and show you evidence not retroactively created, but actual evidence, right? Because they even fiddled with the archives by claiming that President Trump had indeed nominated, nominated Robert Storch again. But here's the deal. 
it was nowhere to be found in 2017. In fact, if I archived it on archive is before and then after my complaint and in late January 2018, a website suddenly manifests in place where there wasn't one saying that he renominated him. So, huh. So we get that. I see. Well, if it was a voice vote, I want a list of who voted how. Oh, sorry. We don't have that record. I'm sorry. What? Sorry, we don't have that record. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you just said. Did you just tell me that the Senate took a voice vote? But you don't have record of what each of those voices said, yay or nay? And all I get is crickets. So maybe you guys can urge your people to manifest this list so we can get them to manufacture the evidence now that we already know doesn't fucking exist. Kind of like it didn't fucking exist that President Trump renominated him and this was done with a voice vote. How do you confirm an IG of the NSA, a presidential appointee, without having a conference where everybody in America can listen to and see who they are? Yeah, the kind of vote that tells you we need to fucking have him there to cover our asses. You get what I'm saying? He and his wife created NABU. The whole dossier was cooked up in Ukraine. That's where all of them met. Here's the origins of the fucking Russia hoax. Ukraine. <laughs> and the IG of the NSA covered up. And it's so weird. Now with the war on Ukraine, we've got that IG of the NSA. Now the IG of the DOD. With all that missing money, planes fucking disappearing. I don't know. You know, no big deal. But let's continue on this story, right? Because this is very interesting. He becomes the IG of the NSA and suddenly the White House is tapped. I actually reached out to many people in the White House and friends in agencies and said, holy shit, they're wiretapping the president. This is not okay. Oh, this is how they knew about the Vinman shit. This is how they knew about it. Are you paying attention? And when everyone was talk talking about Eric Ciaramella, which was just a decoy, right? You would have to ask yourself, and I asked that question, why isn't anyone questioning the IG of the NSA about this whistleblower and this dubious document of supersonic hearing of Bill Taylor, all of this shit? Like, why is no one bringing in the IG of the fucking NSA? Who shouldn't have been the IG of the NSA because of conflict of interest with Ukraine. But there he is. Fuck conflict of interest, right? So, so, so this whistleblower didn't exist. It was a wiretap. Everything that was being done was being done by the NSA. And the NSA is simply an analysis agency, right? They take information, they analyze it, they observe it, they watch it. Almost like I tell you guys how, you know, when the feds had gotten a hold and CBS, by the way, bitches, had a hold of the Hunter Biden laptop before Rudy Giuliani and others got it. They were on what I like to call FedNet, which is not the name of the place, right? It's Black Planet. And they were on there chit-chatting about it and exchanging files. That's how I got portions of the laptop myself, right? And um, so, you know, they, they love to brag. <laughs> but it was right there where the communications of Robert Storch's wife with people of the State Department were happening in chats. 
I happened to befriend some of them. <laughs> and you know what happened? The befriending that I did was on my SQL server with ToriSays.com that was purged when Millie got arrested, right? Because I had the archive of the conversations on my own server backed up because I didn't trust hiding it on the Chan board because they were sweeping everything. And if you had images with baked data in it, I mean, who knows? It could be on my locals videos, I'm just saying. But, you know, that was purged along with my Enron, Aaron Energy, and all that other shit. So again... Let's go back. 2017, Robert Storch, IG of the NSA, voice vote, no details. So then you fast forward all these whistleblowers, fake ass shit, Yovanovich, you know, oh, didn't they hack Salman and other, weren't they monitoring journalists? Well, let me tell you. So Robert Storch's wife was in charge of training all the journalists on data collection and uh, clandestine methods of obtaining data and information. And so <laughs> the IG of the NSA, his wife was partaking with Ukrainians to surveil American journalists. Who's to say that the IG of the NSA didn't give his wife, I don't know, his password to FedNet or something. I'm just saying. That's his wife. She'll never testify against him. Spousal, whatever, right? What's it called? Hmm. Hmm. You know, I'm going to take a picture of this and post it on me. This is like super awesome coffee right now. And share that picture. I have this cup that just gave me awesome chaos. This is what we have. So where are we? We're in 2018 and we've got all these damn whistleblowers <laughs> and all this Russia hoax and Mueller playing stupid. By the way, I actually contacted Mueller and I was like, listen. Robert, hey, idea of the NSA, we got a problem. Dossier stems right back to the NABU. We've got a problem. What's going on? Maybe you should pull him in for questioning, but never, never, ever did he call him in. So now if you're wondering how this um, censorship is going, all you have to do is look at the ID of the NSA and their cooperation. See, that little troll, Zelensky, didn't just roll into the United States and say, I demand you give me money. He, he walks into our country, takes our money, demands weapons and planes, and we'll talk about that like we owe it to him, because we kind of do. And I'll elaborate that in a little bit. So now we have the IG of the NSA, the, the actual founder of NABU with his wife, that prior to being voice vote put in with a dubious nominated, withdrew nomination, then a nomination that nobody can really attest to, in charge of all the data and the information that Mueller and others need in regards to Ukraine. And then people are wondering, how did they spy on Rudy Giuliani while he was in Ukraine? IG of the NSA. How did they know what President Trump was talking about? IG of the NSA. How did they know that, you know, the communications President Trump was having? IG of the NSA. Ah, the NSA that sees all. Their watchdog. Hmm. That sounds like, oh, that's not really. Well, think about it this way. 
The minute Biden stepped into office, his friend, Robert Storr, said he had tapped to create NABU, right, is now the IG of the DOD. You know, the DOD that misplaced over $6 billion, the one that has emptied out trillions of dollars while we're in severe debt to Ukraine, has been sending weapons and soldiers. The Pentagon has been given freely without any checks and balances, and their watchdog is, oh, that's right. The guy that interviewed with the Ukraine cabinet. I would say that there's a huge conflict of interest right here that no one is talking about. But more so, there's more to that, actually. It's not just conflict of interest. There is more to that, a lot more to that. I mean, considering that all this information is a conflict of interest for the IG of the DOD, to have been the founder of the National Anti-Corruption Bureau in Ukraine, and his wife still employed there. Right? And he's the IG of the NSA. Well, IG of the DOD now. It's a glaring conflict of interest. Not only that, during the quagmire that was a Mueller investigation, the collective voices of the American public seemed to fall on deaf ears, with very few exceptions. As custodians of the public trust of these elected, selected officials, how do we, the people, actually get spurred into targeted action that addresses these disquieting concerns directly? That's a question everyone has. Because unfortunately, there is no unity in media. Everyone wants clicks. I need money. I need you. You know, I live off of my $20 rumbles. They don't. They have sponsors. And, and all they want is clicks first, clicks first, clicks first. No, because it doesn't matter. You'll get a click today, but you will have nothing tomorrow. Maybe you'll get a click today, but you won't have two pennies to rub together tomorrow. Maybe you'll get a click today, but it won't matter in the FEMA camp. You will be dragged out to. Or the plane that might fall out of the sky. Or the car that may lose control and crash you into a pole. We need to be working together, unified in one voice. We have to stop this pedestrian bullshit of, oh, I broke the story first. Guys, anything you see on there, I've already broken. I sound like a broken record. People have been taking the work that should have been amplified at that time to avoid this time right now. And there are many times that I think to myself, oh, shit, we're like, we're like fucked. We are so fucked. Everything is so fucked. We have everything set up nicely and we're fucked. 
because people can't get their shit together. We have people trying to take lead, you know, and then I just want to say this. What is up with conservative commentators looking like fucking two bit hoes? Okay. I was watching an interview yesterday with President Trump and the chick looked like the cheapest thing, you know, on the menu. The heels, the dress, like what is going on? Are we, is, 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 is being trashy now the new classy? It's not. Please take note. Emerald Robinson, Chanel Ryan, they look fantastic. Why are they wearing, oh, we look hot. Nobody gives a shit about tits and ass anymore. We're way past that. So when I was watching that, I was like, who are these, these people? Like they, they look like dits airheads. Some of them are extremely educated, right? And they look like idiots. Like when I saw that, I couldn't even see the interview. I was just listening to it. Because it was so distracting that, you know, the chick interviewing President Trump on the NFT cards, she, she looked like, like, you know, like she was ready to go out to studio. <laughs> it's a, and white heels, like it's after Labor Day, you don't do that. But anyway, the thing is, you know, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had to say it because it's like, you know, you see women with their boobies out and looking all hot and it's like, you look trashy. You're supposed to look classy. People are supposed to take you seriously. If you come out and I can see your crotch, right? And you're wearing like this cocktail dress that's for someone who's 20 and you're trying to make me feel like you look serious. I'm going to be like, no, no. You know, you know who else is hot? Lara Logan's hot. She looks amazing. You know, even when she does have a really nice boobies out, right? Because she looks good. It's tasteful and it's classy. And all of these other ones look trashy. Like I was watching them. I was <laughs> in New York too. I was like, what is going on here? Like seriously. But anyway. Um, and the fillers. I mean, you know, I see some people and they're younger than me. And I'm like, dude, I don't even do it. And I'm 45. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Like, stop it. Like, no. But anyway, I just, just wanted to say, I just wanted to point that out, okay? That um, the media is the biggest problem that we have. And, and the media should be expansive to, you know, left, right, mainstream, alternative, you name it. They are the enemy of everyone. And they utilize whatever arbitrary power they have to, to make it look like, you know, they know what they're talking about. You know, I, I had this conversation yesterday going through our, you know, just conversations about J6, you know, and what we have. Again, like I said, origins of the Russia hoax. No one's paying attention to what I'm saying or what I'm putting down, being very specific. But, you know, the Epic Times has been putting things out and I'm like, holy shit, they're in on it. There is no fucking way that they are pandering the same timelines and the same shit the left is saying unless they're playing game with the left. The J6ers are in jail because they're fighting their case on the premise of a fake-ass story. And the fact that I saw Epic Times constantly putting out pieces that's, that's harming the truth, meaning it's constantly going with the narrative, you know, this is going to be really difficult to put out, you guys. It's going to be all reliant on the people, you know, uh, all reliant on the people to, you know, make sure that it is heard because people are going to have to unlearn everything they learned about J6. See, that's a beauty of psychological warfare. There are people that purposely 
push the disinformation like the Antifa shit. There was no fucking Antifa. There were a few people there. No Antifa. I'm telling you, no Antifa. No Antifa, period. Antifa was not rioting. Antifa was not doing it. Again, they were not. So, you know, they were not. So we have the people that know what happened and are purposely pushing disinfo. Then we have the people that think that, oh, I'm going to tell the people what I think and then I'm going to push it as fact, like Steve Bannon and others, right? And they push that shit. Epic Times push that shit. Gateway Pundit push that. Gateway Pundit even has one of the people that work with the feds writing for them. And I'm not talking about Ali Akbar. And you know what? We told Hoff to his face. This guy was working with the feds and he's writing for you and you're propping him up. You're, you're going to have your business destroyed when the truth comes out. We gave the fair warning. We did say it. We did say it. We did say it. So we gave fair warning to many people. I mean, Glenn Beck, he was lucky. He got rid of one of them, one of the Fed assets, knowingly. No, unknowingly, but willingly, if you catch my drift. So, you know, it seems like there's a lot of people that want to put out, you know, what happened with J6, but they're reluctant to say that their operation that was to pacify what they thought was going to happen failed. Because they mean they're soldiers, right? They should know better. But let's not forget, it's nerds like me that smoke and drink coffee that created the game plans for the soldiers. Mm. But I digress. I digress. And so why am I telling you all this? Because you want to know what's going on with Ukraine? That's it. It's Storch. And we've got conflicts of interest. His wife is still working there. You know, what is going on here? This is, this is the person that should be dragged by the hair into freaking Congress. Sit down and start talking, get his wife over here, pull their records. I'm sure there's really good people in the NSA that may have made some duplicates of something, right? And some other sink, maybe, please. Somebody has to come out and say something. But the reason that we're talking about this is so you understand that we're at war. Now, allow me. You know when they're like, oh, I declare war. Congress has to agree to declare war, right? But here's the thing. What if I told you that your Congress and your Senate has already agreed to war? And this is where we need to get to work. I'm dead serious. I am dead serious. And I am hoping that everyone in the media that supposedly supports the United States pushes this as hard as fucking possible. Now, one thing I want you to understand is people like me exist because we can't keep declaring wars. That's very hard, right? Very solid, right? And very focused. It, it's something that you can't take back and that's record. So what do you do? You indirectly have a war with them. Remember, I told you about the pipelines. I stressed about the pipelines. Didn't we blow up the pipelines? Yes, we did. We had the damn missiles fall, and it was the Ukrainians. No, it was us pretending that it was Russian. You remember all that stuff, right? This is what we call a proxy war, right? And the primary purpose of a proxy war is to go to war without really going to war. I found this really cool video on YouTube that I want to share. It's not super awesome, but the guy does an okay job. 
explaining why proxy wars are not beneficial and talks about the Syrian civil war and what is a proxy war. Now, a proxy war is basically, I'm using Ukraine as my shield. I'm really at war with Russia, but it's Ukraine really. And I can support Ukraine with all these guns and shit because we have memorandums of understanding. So I'm not really at war with you. You're just talking shit because the contracts say that I'm supposed to go to war with them, uh, you know, and support them because, you know, we have an agreement. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? All right, here we go. Let's listen to what this guy says. What is the primary purpose of a proxy war? One of the primary examples of why proxy wars are not beneficial is the risk of prolonged conflict. Being involved in a proxy war can include aiding a country by giving them weapons, money, or planning and assessment help. In the short term, proxy wars are seen as a way to avoid direct conflict for a country. Is the Syrian civil war a proxy war? The ongoing conflict in Syria is widely described as a series of overlapping proxy wars between the regional and world powers, primarily between the US and Russia as well as between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Why were proxy wars important in the Cold War? During the Cold War, Proxy warfare was motivated by fears that a conventional war between the United States and the Soviet Union would result in nuclear holocaust, which rendered the use of ideological proxies a safer way of exercising hostilities. What is a proxy war Cold War? The Cold War was often fought between the superpowers of the United States and the Soviet Union something called a proxy war. These were wars fought between other countries, but with each side getting support from a different superpower. What is the difference between Cold War and Proxy War? Proxy War generally involves armed conflict sometimes using non-state players. Strength of Rivals. Cold War generally involves rivalry among almost equally militarily powerful states. Proxy war, on the other hand, is waged between militarily unequal rivals. Take our lead. Let's help you make your mark. Proxy wars are usually done with countries that are not their rivals, like Ukraine, right? What did Russia say? We could, what did Russia say? If they were really at war with Ukraine, they would have had them snubbed out in a heartbeat. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention there? So a proxy war, let's, let's think of what the issues here are, right? What a proxy war actually does, right? It's, it's so horrific because it shows that there's, <sighs> let me take it back to storage for a second. In this scenario, we have Robert Storch who worked for Ukraine in Nabu, who oversaw all the squirrely communications regarding the Russia hoax. Now working on behalf of allegedly the American people or Ukraine, because we have a huge conflict of interest. Because having someone that worked for that nation and interviewed to be part of their cabinet and assisted in squirreling away communications, that is a massive conflict of interest. 
international law is a legal concern too because you know there are laws in regards to conflicts espionage and arms dealing that could make his appointment illegal or at least highly controversial but the fact and what we need to put down is national security. See, nobody talks about Robert Storch. His name doesn't even get mentioned by anyone when he is the source of why the Russia hoax happened. This, this is, geez. We have extreme diplomatic concerns right now, right? Because we're actually at war with Russia, but they're not telling us we're at war with Russia because then people will be like, we're not going to war with Russia because Russia is going to quash us. So why not sacrifice the Ukrainians that Zelensky so nicely threatened to activate that are within our borders with their own financial systems that we are excluded from that have been coming in by the droves? Okay. Again, proxy war. We are at war. It's not, oh, yeah, maybe. No, we are. We are totally at war. And it's unfortunate that people aren't seeing this. So um, let's talk about history, proxy wars. And this video is kind of, mm, kind of showcasing how the United States of America went from republic to empire with proxy wars. You know, the war in Syria. The war in Sudan was over that Hitler had to repurpose his army and say, all right, well, this little nation here is really, you know, putting out, I'm being nice to them and this, this, this. And, and suddenly they had, ex you know, they went back to Russia and froze their asses off. Remember back when Russia was our friend or how we split the, the Korean peninsula to North and South and use South Korea to fight the communists. Right? <laughs> we weaponized the Koreans. We split their peninsula, weaponized the South, you know, to do this happens all over the world and everybody knows it rather than them declaring war because right now we are at war with Russia and no one is paying attention. Well, Biden is trying to get us into that war. Lavrov clearly made it clear. So it's your Congress and your Senate that is constantly renewing Ukrainian money because we're at war. That's basically what's happening. Wars. In February 1946, George Kennan sent a telegram to the State Department that painted a foreboding picture of the Soviet Union. We have here a political force, Kennan wrote, committed of dominoes. The U.S., therefore, needed to contain communism by supporting non-communist governments economically and militarily. The contest between the American and Soviet empires is called the Cold War because instead of fighting directly, the states waged proxy wars in other countries. The key battlegrounds were economically undeveloped regions, dubbed the Third World, the First World being Western democracies and the Second World being communist dictatorships. The American and Soviet governments supplied weapons to opposing sides in Third World conflicts, vying to install puppet governments. The Cold War seemed to usher in a new type of imperialism, but it actually resurrected the ancient formula of the Persian Empire, which installed pliant local governors, known as satraps, to provide the illusion of autonomy in conquered provinces. The newly established CIA-orchestrated regime changes in dozens of countries, often installing brutal dictators such as the Shah of Iran and Mobutu Sese Seko in Zaire. 
The strategy backfired constantly. American-backed dickhead President John Kennedy sent equipment and troops to train the anti-communist forces in the South. Within a few years, American soldiers were fighting directly. The Vietnam War spanned three presidential administrations, expanded into Laos and Cambodia, and resulted in the deaths of 58,000 Americans and millions of Southeast Asians. It was also America's first military defeat, as communists took power in all three countries. Yet, to the surprise of foreign policy experts, no other dominoes toppled. The Cold War ended in 1991, securing America's global hegemony. Proxy warfare continued, but with Russia's evil empire defeated, America lacked a unifying enemy. This changed in 2001, when George W. Bush declared war against terror. War against terror, right? That's it. War against terror. That's how we're going to say it. Well, how's another little video of Top Tens, right? Top Tens put out a video a few years ago. This is pretty interesting. Maybe it can bring it home for you, for those that don't understand how we're in perpetual war, and this is why they're 20 years long, because they're by proxy wars. So we need to start demanding that we pull ourselves out of this proxy war. And you're going to say, well, yeah, we can send letters, and we are. And we can make phone calls, and we are. But the question is, all of us should be demanding, i.g., Storch be investigated for his conflicts of interest with Ukraine. Because he can't be the one that built up and NABU. He can't be the one that oversaw the Russia hoax and helped facilitate it. And that's my assessment from the information I have. And then move on to the IG of the DOD, where we have billions and billions of dollars missing and constantly being allocated as if they're working with a black budget. Oh, and let's not get into the black budget fund, because that's another one right there. And how they blew up the pipeline. And, and, and. aware of the term a proxy war is when two nations don't really want to directly fight each other or declare war due to the financial cost and diplomatic hassle so they duke it out in some other country usually allowing the side they support to do the majority of the actual fighting the proxy war allows for a chance to gain territory and hegemony around the world while looking like a supported while the colonists certainly fought very hard for their freedom without the french helping out in this early proxy war it may have been a very different story indeed number nine the korean war was a proxy conflict with the soviets and chinese against the usa the korean war was really the first major proxy conflict of the cold war and not only set the grim stage for the rest of the Cold War, but left huge lingering issues that have not been solved to this day. While many documentaries and shows or movies dramatize World War II and other more popular wars, people today don't seem to be particularly interested in the Korean War. This is probably because the conflict didn't really leave anyone with a happy outcome or make anyone look particularly good. The USA was already just fresh out of World War II, and most people really didn't have much stomach or interest in more war. However, they were caught up in one anyway. After World War II, Korea was split between the United States and the Soviets, with the USA supporting the southern side and the Soviets supporting the north. On June the 25th, 1950, the northern forces of Korea attacked the southern side of Korea and initiated the war. Two days later, President Truman officially declared 
declared U.S. involvement against the northern side, and the Chinese soon got involved with boots on the ground. The war caused about 600,000 deaths, with about 36,000 of those being American lives, and it still is in the status of temporary ceasefire even to this day. That's right, the war never officially ended. Number 8. The Vietnam War was also a proxy war between China and the USA. The Vietnam War is one of the most well-known wars in America and hardly needs an introduction. This is because it was one of the longest-lasting conflicts in recent history. American involvement first started when military advisors were sent starting as early as 1950, although financial support may have started as early as 1946. This was back when Vietnam was still part of French Indochina and Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam they were fighting for their independence. After the First War of Indochina ended with the Geneva Accords of 1954, the French left Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos, which were now independent nations. This created an unstable situation where the United States saw a chance to make another major allied proxy nation by supporting southern Vietnam, and the Chinese, as well as the Soviet Union, saw the same opportunity by supporting the North. After 1954, the United States stepped in to take the place of the French and support the South Vietnamese and didn't officially leave the war until the Paris Accords were signed in 1973, which ended the conflict with the communist North Vietnamese winning the war. In the end, the proxy war was a win for communist nations like the Soviet Union, but more than anything else, it was a win for China. The Chinese not only provided financial and equipment aid like the Soviets, but after the Gulf of Tonkin incident, the Chinese started stepping up their involvement, and People's Liberation Army troops poured across the border to counter the United States Army. Number 7. The Iran Crisis of 1946 was an early proxy war between the Soviets and the USA. Today, a lot of people see Iran as the enemy of the United States, but this wasn't always extreme pressure on the Soviet Union to honor their agreements and leave Iran. It is ironic that the United States is acting so aggressive against Iran now, when back in the day, they went to great diplomatic efforts to make sure that they would be allowed to control their own destiny. Number 6. The Arab-Israeli conflict involves multiple parties and is still ongoing. The Arab-Israeli conflict has been going on for a very long time, and maybe even longer depending on who you ask. Some consider it to have started after World War II, but a lot of the tension it goes back even further. For some time, the British Empire controlled a lot of the world, and in the early 1900s, after World War II, they still had control over a lot of territory, including some of the Middle East. In 1917, they supported the creation of a Jewish state in the area then known as Palestine, but there was great resistance, including riots and attempts at fighting off British control by the Arabs living in the area. The British eventually backtracked a bit and agreed to slow down on the amount of Jewish refugees being sent to Palestine. However, after World War II, the desire to find a permanent resettlement spot for Jewish refugees became more of a concern. The United Nations approved a plan to partition the country between the Arabs and the Jewish people, but the Palestinians, the Egyptians, Syrians, Iraqis, Jordanians, and Lebanese, well, they were none too pleased. War soon started between them and the early Israeli powers, who were supported financially and politically by the Western powers. While Israel has certainly come out in a much stronger position, the conflict is still far from over. Multiple treaties and accords have been attempted over the years, but fighting keeps breaking out again and again, and the Palestinian Arabs seem to be losing more and more territory over the years, despite past agreements. While this long conflict has allowed a lot of world powers to proxy war with each other, more recently it seems to have been a battle grounds between the United States 
and Iran. Number 5. The but it was not the only long quagmire of a war in the recent history of that country. Back in 1978, a pro-communist government took power in Afghanistan and started initiating reforms that were deeply unpopular, especially with a lot of the more rural or traditional citizens. In 1979, fearing instability in the communist government of Afghanistan, the Soviet Union under Leonid Brezhnev invaded and staged a coup, replacing the current leader with someone entirely loyal to their leadership. The United Nations, at the urging of 34 nations of the Islamic Conference, passed a resolution urging the Soviets to leave Afghanistan, but they had no interest in doing so. So the United States and Saudi Arabia started providing huge support in the way of finances and supplies, while China and Pakistan allowed for Mujahideen fighters to train in their countries near the border of Afghanistan and provided advisors and other support whenever they could. With several world powers against them and a country where resistance was pretty much everywhere, they simply couldn't sustain the occupation permanently or manage a true takeover. In 1989, under Mikhail Gorbachev, the Soviet Union withdrew the blast of their major forces from the region, but it still wasn't quite the end of the war. The pro-Soviet government was given proxy support in the way of money and supplies, despite no more Soviet boots in the various Mujahideen groups who couldn't agree on how the country should be run. The civil wars would finally end in 1996, with the Taliban taking control of most of the country. Number 3. The Ukrainian crisis is an ongoing proxy conflict with the USA and NATO against Russia. The Ukrainian crisis started back in 2013, when the then Prime Minister of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych, decided to go against a plan to join the European Union, and soon protests started. However, while the protests did lead to his resignation and there were accusations that he was a Russian agent, the Russians fired back that the Western powers had been trying to force Ukraine to join the European Union behind the scenes and that they didn't want the West to have that much influence over Ukraine, so they did what they needed to do. Soon, pro-Russian protests started in Kiev, helped along by Putin's early cyber warfare, and then, as many know, the Russians annexed the territory of Crimea from Ukraine and put together a mock vote to make it all look legal. The United States and the rest of the world powers were not fooled by Putin's blatant power grab or his sham election and trying to take over eastern Ukraine for mother Russia. They were often aided by Russian troops, advisors, money and military supplies, as well as intelligence. In the meantime, the United States and the West have not put boots on the ground, but they have continued their economic sanctions against Russia and continue to support Ukraine with their pocketbooks whenever possible. Number 2. The ongoing conflict in Yemen is Saudi Arabia and the USA against, allegedly, Iran. So that has to do with the Arab Spring. So what do we do? I wanted us to watch the uh, UN General Assembly with Biden, but we could do that tomorrow because I really, really want to share, um, you know, the Garland hearing that's going on. And I chose to start it from the point where these traitors are taking an oath, as you can see on your screen right now. They're taking an oath and being sworn in to talk about in uh, the law because it's so quite fascinating for them to, to watch make a name them. for themselves quite um, fascinating. and try to get some points on the board so to speak for both sides of the aisle um, let's go now to this hearing where the attorney general will go before the judiciary committee Chair now recognize himself for an opening statement. The fix is in. Even with the face-saving indictment last week of Hunter Biden, every Can I just say something? I'm going to say something, and I'm going to say it straight. Jim Jordan has in his possession 
actual evidence that J6 was an orchestrated foreign intelligence operation. He's had that in his possession for a while and has done absolutely nothing with it. I want you guys to listen carefully to what I'm saying. He's had it in his possession. Actual lines of communication of foreign intelligence agencies discussing J6 and has said absolutely fucking nothing. I'm just pointing it out. 30 if he told this committee. Actually, I can only bring charges in my U.S. Attorney's District, the District of Delaware. And then to further confuse matters, on July 10th, he told Senator Graham, I have not sought special counsel status. Rather, I've had discussions with the Department of Justice. An investigation run by Mr. Weiss that negotiated a plea deal that the federal district court declined to accept. A plea deal so ridiculous, the judge asked this question. Quote, is there any precedence for agreeing not to prosecute crimes that have nothing to do with the charges being diverted? The response from the DOJ lawyer, I'm not aware of any, Your Honor. A plea deal so ridiculous that the judge also asked, have you ever seen a diversion agreement where the agreement not to prosecute was so broad that it encompasses crimes in a different case? The response from the DOJ lawyer, no, Your Honor, we haven't. An investigation run by Mr. Weiss that not only had a sweetheart deal rejected, but according to the New York Times, there was an even sweeter deal, an earlier deal, a deal in which Mr. Biden would not have to plead guilty to anything. Four and a half years and all that, and now we get a special counsel. Now we get a special counsel, and who does the attorney general pick? David Weiss, the guy who let all that happen. He could have selected anyone. He could have picked anyone inside government, outside government. He could have picked former attorney generals, former special counsels, but he picks the one guy, the one guy he knows will protect Joe Biden. He picks David Weiss. It's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't recollect. You don't recollect whether you. Wait a minute. He doesn't recollect how he's supposed to answer the question. Did you hear? I don't recollect how I'm supposed to answer that question. Pay attention. I don't recollect on how I'm supposed to answer that, that question. I do not recollect how I'm supposed to answer that question. Hmm. Sounds like someone has been given a script. And you all know how I feel about scripts. You need to stick to the script. Ha. Hmm. You've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son? I, I don't believe that I did. I promised the Senate when I came um, before it for confirmation that I would leave Mr. Weiss in place and that I would not interfere with his investigation. Okay, did I you ever... I have kept that promise. All right. Have you had personal contact with anybody at the Baltimore field office on the Hunter Biden matter? No. On July 10, 2023, U.S. Attorney David Weiss told Senator Lindsey Graham, quote, I had discussions with departmental officials regarding potential appointment under 28 U.S.C. Uh, Section 515, which would have allowed me to file charges in a district outside my own without the partnership of the local U.S. attorney, end quote. With whom did Mr. Weiss have those discussions? I'm not going to get into the internal deliberations of the department. Um, oh, but you must, sir. This is important for us. We have okay. oversight responsibility over your department, and we need these answers. That's appropriate and uh, necessary for Mr. Weiss to have conversations with the department. 
I made clear that if he wanted to bring a case in any jurisdiction, he would be able to do that. The way you do that is to get an order signed by the Attorney General called a 515 order. I promised he would be able to do that, and he in his letters made clear he understood he would be able to do that. Okay. Can you tell us about any briefings or discussions that you personally have had with Mr. Weiss regarding any and all federal investigations of Hunter Biden? I'm going to say again. I promised the Senate that I would not interfere with Mr. Weiss. So you have not, I'm just under oath today, your testimony is you have not had any discussions with Mr. Weiss about this matter? Under oath, my testimony today is that I promised that the, uh, the Senate I would not um, intrude in his investigation. I do not intend to discuss deliberate. Okay, did we hear that too? I said that under oath, this is what I'm going to say, that I promised the Senate that that I, under oath, I promise to say that under oath, uh, <laughs> like stop. Are you kidding? Are you paying attention? Follow that script. Internal Justice Department uh, deliberations, whether or not I had them. Oh, okay. So your, your testimony today is you're not going to tell us whether you've had discussions with Mr. Weiss. My testimony today is I told the committee that I would not interfere. I made clear that Mr. Weiss would have the authority to bring cases that he thought were appropriate. Okay. Mr. Weiss's All right. letter. Okay, let me stop you. For, for a second time, sir. Are you aware that FBI officials have come before this committee and they have stated that there was a cumbersome bureaucratic process that Mr. Weiss had to go through to bring charges in another judicial district? You know that? I'm not aware, but that's not true. There's nothing cumbersome about the process. So those whistleblowers are lying to us under oath? They're, those whistleblowers are lying? I didn't that say that. Their, their description of the process is cumbersome is an opinion. It's not a fact question. All I have to do is okay, sign a right, section. Let me get to the fact. Mr. Weiss has been the lead prosecutor on the Hunter Biden case since 2018, correct? I'm sorry? Mr. Weiss has been the lead prosecutor on the Hunter Biden case since 2018. Now, here's the question. He's been the, the lead the, prosecutor since he was appointed by President Trump. Okay. Why? Let me ask you. Why has the Justice Department dragged this investigation out for so long? Does it really take years to determine if Hunter Biden lied on a federal form related to purchasing a firearm? Mr. Weiss was a longtime career prosecutor. President Trump appointed him as the You're not answering the question. Is that standard procedure? Should it take that long to make such a simple determination? I'm answering the question. Mm -hmm. Give me an opportunity to do so. Okay. He was charged uh, with that investigation under the previous administration. He's continued. He knows how to conduct investigations, and I have not intruded or attempted to evaluate that because I, that was the promise I made to the Senate. The whistleblowers uh, gave us testimony about serious misconduct at the Justice Department in regards to the preferential treatment afforded Hunter Biden. Has your office requested an investigation into that? Uh, there are. Holy crap. So I'm just going to make this statement and I'm going to dig into it. But here's the thing. In June of this year, there was a very um, secret meeting, but not so secret. So the Indian prime minister came to America and there was a dinner. And what was weird about this dinner, and I still haven't figured out what, what role Tim Waltz of, um, you know, Minnesota is playing here. But what I noticed was, uh, and I know from sources, that Eleni Kunalakis was told how she's going to assume governorship, and there were discussions. In that dinner, just so you guys know, for that dinner, the whole Biden cabinet was present. All of them. And not only that, Huma Abedin was there with her mom. 
And John Podesta was there, who's now been appointed, and he is an advisor for Joe Biden. One thing that um, Merrick Garland was just asked is, is if he's had any communication with the Maryland FBI. Well, you know who else was at that dinner? The Lieutenant Governor of Maryland. And now I realize why they were discussing the FBI. Because my sources told me that the Lieutenant Governor of Maryland, of Maryland, pay attention, was in discussions with people from the Department of Justice, pay attention to what I'm telling you, in regards to the FBI. So my first thought was maybe they're talking about this J6 stuff. Maybe there's something going on, you know, because there were two lieutenant governors and a governor. One lieutenant governor is Eleni Kunilakis, where she was being advised how she's going to assume governorship for California. And then, uh, you know, completely wrecked my brain. What would the lieutenant governor of Maryland have to do with the Department of Justice discussing the FBI? Here it is. They just said, have you had discussions with the FBI in Maryland? He asked him, did you specifically have a conversation with them? And so I'm, I'm thinking, mulling that around as I'm listening to the rest of the, I was like, oh crap, it was right there underneath my nose. That's why the it's the lieutenant governor that they're using for proxy for communication with the FBI. That's why my sources said that they were discussing with the Department of Justice officials that were at that dinner about fucking the Hunter Biden investigation that the Maryland FBI has in their possession. Holy crap. Huh. Huh. That's interesting. I'm, pu I'm putting it down. Somebody can pick it up, but I'm definitely picking that shit up, uh, you know, after I finish up today's work. Well-known processes for how whistleblowers make their claims. I'm a strong proponent of whistleblowers and a strong defender. We have an inspector general's office. We have an office of professional responsibility. That is the way in which complaints from whistleblowers should be and are appropriately handled. I'm out of time. I yield back. Gentlemen, yields back. The chair recognizes the ranking member, Mr. Nadler. Hey, Dan. Thank you. Mr. Attorney General, thank you for being here today. It's no secret that some of my colleagues across the aisle have threatened to shut down the government unless and until the FBI and the Department of Justice are defunded. One Trump light presidential candidate has said that we should abolish the FBI altogether. Mr. Attorney General, what would be the impact on America of defunding the FBI? Defunding the FBI would leave the United States naked to the malign influence of the Chinese Communist Party the attacks by Iranians on American citizens and attempts to assassinate former officials, to uh, the Russian aggression, uh, to North Korean cyber attacks, to uh, violent crime in the United States, which the FBI helps to, to fight against, to all kinds of espionage, to domestic violent extremists who have uh, attacked our churches, um, our synagogues, our mosques, uh, and who have killed individuals uh, out of racial hatred. Uh, I, I, I just I cannot imagine the consequences of defunding the FBI, but they would be catastrophic. 
Thank you. I want to turn to Mr. Weiss's investigation and the authority he's been granted to conduct that investigation without interference in whatever way he deems necessary. You testified to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Conduct his investigation however he wishes, and Mr. Weiss has confirmed that in letters to this committee. Thank you. This authority included ensuring that Weiss would be able to bring charges in jurisdiction outside of Delaware if necessary. Is that correct? Mr. I, I assured uh, Mr. Weiss publicly that he would have the authority to bring a case outside of Delaware if he thought that was appropriate. Does that remain true today? Yes, that is true today. Has it ever been the case over the course of this investigation that Mr. Weiss would not have been able to bring charges outside of Delaware if warranted? As a matter of my authority, I promised he would be able to do that. I think as is apparent in the letters uh, exchanged with the committee and in my last previous testimony, uh, in order for a United States attorney or a special counsel or anyone else to bring a case outside of his jurisdiction, he requires me to sign a, it requires me to sign a paper called Section 515, that's the statute, which permits bringing cases outside of the jurisdiction. I promised that I would do whatever was required to enable Mr. Weiss to bring a case outside his jurisdiction if that's what he thought was appropriate. And I assume it was your understanding that Mr. Weiss is fully aware that he could bring charges outside of Delaware if necessary when you testified on March 1st. Mr. Weiss has said so in the letters he sent to this committee. Thank you. Did he ever say or do anything did he ever say or do anything that might make him uh, unsure of where he could bring charges? Mr. Weiss's own letters reflect that he had never asked me to be special counsel and that he understood the process for um, asking for a signature on a Section 515 form. There have been accusations that the handling of the Hunter Biden matter is an example of a two-tiered system of justice. What's your response to that allegation? The Justice Department treats everyone alike, regardless of party, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of wealth. Everyone is treated alike. I understand that uh, people may not understand why particular investigations are conducted in particular ways until all the facts come out. That's what we have a court for. And all of the explanations uh, will come out with respect to Mr. Weiss, for example, uh, at the end of his period as special counsel. One of the requirements is that he file a, public, a report, which I have uh, promised to make public to the extent uh, that's lawful and consistent with department policy. It will explain his decisions to prosecute and not uh, to prosecute. Thank you. What are the impacts of members of Congress making such accusations against the DOJ? Do baseless accusations from government officials make it more difficult for investigators to do their job and effectively investigate the subject? Okay, so Penguin needs to shut up quickly because he's, he's irritating me with his righteousness. We need to move on to someone more American, someone that wants to ask some questions. Let's go. We're aware of that. I'm aware of the testimony. I was not present at any point during that statement. And Mr. Weiss, has in, Mr. Weiss, who was present, has indicated that he had the authority and he knew that he had it. Subsequent to those developments, though, you decided to make Mr. Weiss special counsel, which you had not done before. Mr. Weiss made clear he did not ask me to be special counsel until last month, and last month I made him special counsel. Did you have some lack of information that you should have had that would have caused you to act earlier to make him special counsel? Mr. Weiss did not ask to be special counsel before. I understand he didn't ask. You've said that, sir. 
did you take the necessary steps to inform yourself what authority he understood he had or what obstacles he was encountering? Look, Mr. Weiss had, as I said from the beginning, at the very beginning, that he had authority over all matters that pertain to under Biden. Have you, have, you, have you learned that he was in fact deterred by decisions of the United States attorneys in the District of Columbia and the Northern District of California from proceeding as he thought best? With respect, uh, Congressman, Mr. Weiss has said, has not said that he was deterred. He said that he followed the normal processes of the department um, and that he was never denied the ability to bring a case in another jurisdiction. Well, what changed then, Mr. Attorney General? What made you decide that it was sufficient to leave him in the situ situation he was until you decided to make him special counsel? Uh, Mr. Weiss asked for that authority, given the extraordinary circumstances of this matter, and given my promise that I would give him any resources he requested, I made him special counsel. So until that time, was it just a matter of his predilection, or did you, did you undertake to investigate and discern what he was doing with his authority and, what, and whether he had faced any obstacles? I did not uh, endeavor to investigate because I had promised that I would not interfere with this investigation. The way in to not interfere is to not investigate an investigation. Once he requested to be named special counsel, having not done so over months and months of your tenure, did you ask him what had changed that, that made him now need to be a special counsel? Mr. Weiss asked to be made special counsel. I had promised that I would give him all the resources he needed, and I made him special counsel. When did the Justice Department permit statutes of limitations to expire on some of the prospective charges against Hunter Biden for tax violations? I don't know anything about the statute of limitations here. The investigation was in the hands of Mr. Weiss to make the determines that, determinations that he thought were appropriate. Are you unaware that, tax, that uh, statutes of limitations have in fact been allowed to expire after there having been tolling agreements in place? I'm going to say again, the determination of where to bring cases and which kinds of cases to bring was left to Mr. Weiss. Yes, sir. I understand that you've said that. That's part of the problem. The question is, are you aware that statutes of limitations have been allowed to expire while the matter was under investigation? The investigators were fully familiar with all the relevant law. I'm not asking for the excuses. I'm they, asking whether you're aware of that fact, sir. I'm going to say again. I'm going to say again and again if necessary. I did not interfere with, did not investigate, did not See, those are, those are statements in response to other questions. Those, Everybody in the country now knows who's paying attention to this, that the Justice Department permitted statutes of limitations to expire. Every lawyer who's ever practiced understands the implications of allowing statutes of limitations to expire. Prosecutors, Do you not even know as you sit here whether that occurred or not? Prosecutors make appropriate determinations on their own. In this case, I left it to Mr. Weiss whether to bring charges or not. That would include whether to let statute of limitations expire or not, whether there was sufficient evidence to bring a case that was subject to the statute of limitations or not, whether there were better cases to bring or not. Time of the time of the gentleman has expired. Um, the, the chair now recognizes the gentlelady from California. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Attorney General, for being here with us uh, this morning. You know, as much as we uh, see dirt being thrown in the air, um, there's a lot of um, uh, misinformation that I think is intended to confuse people. 
uh, I would like to ask unanimous consent to put into the record three letters from Mr. Weiss uh, that he sent to Congress on June 7th, June 30th, and July 10th. Without objection. Uh, he said over and over again that he has full authority over this case, including the ability to seek special counsel or special uh, attorney uh, status if needed. Um, you know, trying to imply otherwise is just simply false. Um, Mr. Weiss was appointed by then President Trump. Your decision was to leave the Trump-appointed attorney completely in charge of this, hands off from you. He makes all the calls without interference from the Attorney General. Is that correct? That is correct. And so the idea that you would interfere uh, is completely wrong. And I, I'd also like to ask, um, you, you talked about um, your independence from uh, the president, but also your independence from the Congress. Have you ever uh, come across historically an instance where the Congress of the United States tried to or successfully interfered with a prosecution initiated by the Department of Justice based on the facts and the law? Uh, I want to be gentle about the word interfere, um, but it is just as a historical example in the case of Iran-Contra, uh, the consequences of actions by the Congress uh, were that the special counsel's investigation of Iran, of, right. uh, 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 of uh, uh, Mr. North, um, were dismissed. Correct. Um, before I go into another question I have, I just would like unanimous consent to put into the record the annual statistical transparency report dated April of 2023. Uh, it indicates that the deduplicated counting method for FBI queries of U.S. persons under uh, the Section 702 database numbered over 119,000. I would just like to note, and we, we will work with you, this committee on a bipartisan basis is very concerned about querying of the 702 database for U.S. persons without a warrant. We're not suggesting that the law does not permit that, but we are going to visit this issue because it is my view that querying the 702 database that has been collected without um, due process because it relates to foreign individuals is completely wrong in terms of the privacy uh, rights of Americans and I just I'm hoping that we can work successfully with you as we craft wait a minute what'd she say let's rewind that because we just talk talked about storch in 702 let's rewind that, that whole introduction let's start this again Let's go. Investigation of Iran of right. uh, 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 of uh, uh, Mr. North um, were dismissed. Correct. Um, before I go into another question, I have I just would like unanimous consent to put into the record the annual statistical transparency report dated April of 2023. Uh, it indicates that the deduplicated counting method for FBI queries 
of U.S. persons under uh, the Section 702 database numbered over 119,000. I would just like to note, uh, and we, we will work with you, this committee on a bipartisan basis is very concerned about... Okay, so they're using the NSA's 702 over collection, the 72-hour hold that I explained to you guys. And if you're new to me, it's, a, it's like a sink where all your information is dumped in, every email, every text, every picture, every, every feedback that Apple gets, scanning your face, your Samsung phone, all that shit. Your Alexas, your freaking, you name it, it's there. They get to hold on to it for 72 hours and they have to dump it. But the FBI has done, wait, 119, very specific number, 119. They love that symbology, don't they? Where um, that they have actually queried the NSA sync of 702 collections. But listen to what she gets into. So let's just tee that back up. All right, let's start. Thousand. I would just like to note, okay. and we, we will work with you, this committee on a bipartisan basis is very concerned about querying of the 702 database for U.S. persons without a warrant. We're not suggesting that the law does not permit that, but we are going to visit this issue because it is my view that querying the 702 database that has been collected without um, due process because it relates to foreign individuals is completely wrong in terms of the privacy uh, rights of Americans. And I just am hoping that we can work successfully with you as we craft requirements uh, for a warrant uh, to do that whoring. Uh, I'd like to ask, you know, as we know. Um, Garland looks stupefied. Like, why is she talking about this? Why did she just mention that they're collecting all this information? What's going on here? He's kind of like, wait, what? Hold on. Now, is that because the 702 over collections may have data that may show that American citizens helped with foreign intelligence agencies, orchestrate J6, and much, much more? That was pretty off script, and it was a weird statement. Let's see what else she's got. No, and uh, has been mentioned by the ranking member, the proposal is basically to defund the police by uh, the Republicans, to defund the FBI. Um, I uh, am concerned that if we defund the police, as the majority has suggested, that really doesn't have an impact on the statute of limitations. So if we were to defund the Department of Justice, defund the FBI and the police, as has been suggested, what would happen with the statute of limitations uh, for cases that you were pursuing if you were not able to actually do that? Would they be suspended anyway, or would the criminals get off scot-free? Well, I know in my experience as a judge, if I was asked a legal question and I don't know the answer, uh, I would go back to the office and study it, and I'll have to do that in this case. I, I don't have the answer. Well, I, I think I do, because there's nothing in the statute that allows for the statute of limitations to be suspended because the government has been shut down or because the uh, police have been defunded uh, through the budget process. And I just think we ought to take uh, uh, the, the implications of a 
shot down very seriously in terms of allowing criminals to get off. And I see that my time has expired, Mr. Chairman, and I yield back. Jill, I yield back to To be suspended because the government has been shut down or because the uh, police have been defunded uh, through the budget process. And I just think we ought to take uh, uh, the, the what the heck just happened? So this is live. I haven't, I didn't rewind. And yet they were putting a voiceover. Holy crap, this isn't live. This was actually edited. Did you guys pay attention to that? You're watching a damn movie. Oh my gosh, let's get our popcorn ready. Wait a minute. Because, you know, even Lofgren said some stuff and you're just like, okay, girl, where are you going with this? That's what's up. Pay attention. They edited that. I didn't do it. Look. Oh, shit. Why does it go so far back? Damn it. Where is she? All right, watch. Back. Jelly, it's back to To be suspended because the government has been shut down or because you seeing the, that? Uh, police have been defunded. Waypo uh, is editing shit. Process. And I just think we ought to take uh, Holy shit. Uh, the, the implications That's of not live. very seriously in terms of allowing That's not live. to get off. And I see that my time has expired, Mr. That's Chairman, not live. And I yield back. Jolly yields back. Chair does not recognize himself. Quote, Mr. Weiss has full authority to bring cases in other jurisdictions if he feels it's necessary. Necessary. That was your response, Attorney General, to Senator Grassley's question on March 1st, 2023. You just referenced it when Mr. Bishop was questioning you. Only problem is he'd already been turned down by the U.S. Attorney in the District of Columbia, Mr. Graves. So he didn't have full authority, did he? I had an extended conversation with uh, Senator Grassley at the time. We briefly touched on the Section 515 question and how that process went. I'm, I've my never been suggested. Simple. My point's real simple, Mr. Garland. You said he had complete authority, but he'd already been turned down. He, he wanted to bring an action in the District of Columbia, and the U.S. Attorney there said, no, you can't. And then you go tell the United States Senate under oath that he has complete authority. I'm going to say again that uh, no one had the authority to turn him down. They could refuse uh, to partner with him. They could you not. You can use whatever you, you, language. They, refuse to partner is turning down. Well, it's not the same under a well-known Justice Department practice. Here's why the statute of limitations question is important that Mr. Bishop was getting at just a few minutes ago. Here's why it's important. You let the statute of limitations lapse for 2014, 2015. Those were the years with the felony tax charges where Hunter Biden was getting uh, income from Burisma. Here are four facts that I think are so important. Hunter Biden was put on the board of Burisma, made a lot of money, got paid a lot of money over those years couple million bucks. He wasn't qualified. Fact number two, he wasn't qualified to be on the board of Burisma. Not my words, his words. He said he got on the board because of his last name. The brand, as Devin Archer said, when he was under oath and we deposed him. Fact number three, Burisma executives told Hunter Biden, we're under pressure, we need help. Fact number four, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine, leverages our tax money, American people's tax money to get the prosecutor fired who was applying the pressure. Interestingly enough, that fact is entirely consistent with what the confidential human source told the FBI and they recorded in the 1023 form. The same form Mr. Ray didn't want to let this committee and the Congress see. That all happened. That all happened. And what I'm wondering is why you guys let the statute of limitations lapse 
for those tax years that dealt with Burisma income? There's one more fact that's important, and that is that this investigation was being conducted by Mr. Weiss, an appointee of President Trump. You will, at the appropriate time, have the opportunity to ask Mr. Weiss that question, and he will no doubt address it in the public report that will be transmitted to the Congress. I don't know the answer to did those questions. Did they forget? Did the lawyers just like let it, did they just like, oh, darn, we let it, did they, were they careless? I expect that won't be what he says, but because I you promise- You know that's not the case, because as Mr. Bishop pointed out, they had a tolling agreement. They had, they talked to Hunter Biden's defense counsel and say, let's extend the statute of limitations. And then at some point they made an intentional decision to say, we're gonna let the statute of limitations lapse. And I wanna know who decided that and why they did it. Mr. Weiss was a supervisor of the investigation at that time and at all times. He made the necessary appropriate decisions and you'll be able to ask him that question and he will. You know why they did it. Everyone knows why they did it. May not say it, but everyone knows why they did it. They did Barisma, those tax years, that's that, that dealt with the, pre, that involved the president. It's one thing to have a gun charge in Delaware, that doesn't involve the president of the United States. But Barisma, oh my, that goes right to the White House. We can't have that. And we can slow walk this thing along, we can even extend the statute of limitations and then we can intentionally let it lapse. And we know this investigation was slow. Here's what everyone said, Shapley said, DOJ slow walked the investigation, Ziegler, Slow walking and the approvals of everything. This happened at the Delaware's attorney's office and DOJ tax level. Mr. Sobosinski, the FBI agent said, I would have liked to th see things move faster. Ms. Holly said the same. Every witness we've talked to said this thing was slow walked and we know why. They slow walked it long enough to let the statute of limitations run so they wouldn't have to get into Burisma. Tell me where I'm wrong. Will the gentleman yield? No, I'm asking the, the, Mr. Garland the question. I think I've tried to make clear that I don't know the specifics of the investigation. Much of what you are describing occurred uh, during the Trump administration, during a uh, Justice Department appointed by President Trump. No, it didn't. This is four and a half years of this investigation. We're talking about the last few years. Your statement was just this year, March 1st, to, to Senator Grassley. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I was trying to respond to your descriptions of what the uh, IRS um, um, uh, agent said about the certain statute things. statute of limitations is six years. That lapsed. That lapsed here in, in, the, in the Biden on administration. The, on the statute of limitations, um, we'll say again, that the explanation for why the statute of limitation was lapsed, if it was, has to come from Mr. Weiss. My time is, let me ask one last, one last question real quick here. Uh, who decided that David Weiss would stay on as U.S. attorney? Look, uh, this had occurred at, before I came, Mr. Weiss had been uh, kept on. I promised the... Uh, no, I didn't say, you can walk all through that. I said, who decided? The White House decided. Mr. Weiss, right? They serve at the pleasure of the uh, president, right? Mr. Weiss was- Joe Biden decided to keep David Weiss as U.S. Attorney. Uh, you weren't sworn in until March. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was told he was going to stay on in February. Expired. Pretty fundamental question. Who decided David Weiss was going to stay as U.S. Attorney in Delaware? Mr. Mr. Weiss, Chairman, your time, time has expired. Mr. Chairman, your time has expired. I'm waiting for an answer, and then I'll, and I'll yield. Well, you asked the question after your time had expired already. Point of order. Gentleman can respond, then I'll go to Ms. Jackson Lee. Mr. Weiss was the um, special uh, uh, U.S. attorney from the District of Delaware when I came on. He had been appointed by President Trump. I promised that he would be permitted to stay on for this investigation, and that is what happened. Gentleman from Texas, the rest of the chairman. Gentleman from uh, New York, Mr. Chairman, I believe you misquoted uh, 
from the transcript of the Senate and of the Senate hearing. I therefore ask unanimous consent to enter into the record the entire transcript of the Senate hearing. With, without objection, but I, I didn't just quote what Mr. Garland said. Uh, Ms. Jackson Lee from Texas, recognized for five minutes. Mr. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. None of the Republicans' goals today include solving Americans' problems of which they are concerned of. There are many reasons, Mr. Attorney General, that prosecutors decline to bring charges. One of those reasons is that they don't have any evidence for a conviction. That is the justice way. That is just in America. So let me raise these questions and concerns with you today. As we all know, Republicans have repeatedly alleged that the DOJ and FBI are conspiring to shield the Biden family from public criticism and giving Hunter Biden special treatment in its investigations. They have demonized law enforcement officials working with this case at every turn, which has directly led to increased threats against FBI officials, law enforcement, of which they pretend to support. I want to place into the record two excerpts from recent transcribed interviews, and I would ask that copies be made available to you. The first is from a June um, interview with Jennifer Moore, FBI's former Executive Assistant Director for Human Resources. She told this committee that FBI had received so many threats that it had to stand up an entire 10-person unit just to deal with them. She said it is unprecedented. It is, it's uh, a number we have never had before. More testimony pages 202 to 203. The second excerpt is from an interview earlier this month with Thomas Sobosinski, the special agent in charge of FBI's Baltimore field office. Here's what he said. I joined the FBI 25 years ago. I joined for a reason, not to protect the American people, uphold the Constitution. I've been to war. My family's been in bad places. Attorney General, has anyone at the department told President Biden to knock it off with Hunter? I mean, you guys are charging Hunter Biden on some crimes, investigating him on, on others. You've got the president bringing Hunter Biden around to state dinners. Has anyone told him to knock it off? Our job in the Justice Department is to pursue our cases without reference uh, to what's happening in the outside world. But just and, yes or no, have you done that? That is what we do. So it's a no? No one that I know of has spoken to the White House about the Hunter Biden case. I'm wondering then, okay, I got it, I got it. So Hunter Biden is selling art to pay for his $15,000 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that the people buying that art aren't doing so to gain favor with the president? The job of the Justice Department is to investigate criminal allegations. You have information. Are you investigating this? I mean, someone who bought Hunter Biden's art ended up with a prestigious appointment to a federal position. Doesn't it look weird that he's, making, he's become this immediate success in the art world as his dad is president of the United States? Isn't that odd? I'm not going to comment about any specific... Not going to comment, not going to investigate. So right. Hunter Biden associate Devin Archer told us that Hunter sold the appearance of access to then-Vice President Biden. Are you confident he has stopped doing that? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Hunter Biden associate Devin Archer told us that Hunter sold the appearance of access to then-Vice President Biden. Are you confident he has stopped? I'm going to say again that all these matters are within the purview of Mr. Weiss. I have not interfered with them, and yeah, I do not. Yeah, but if you were confident that he had stopped, you could And I do not intend to us. interfere with yeah, him. I wanna, so it was a lot of Chinese money that was working its way through these shell companies into the accounts of the Biden family. 
So the China initiative was set up during the Trump administration at the Department of Justice to go after the malign influence of, of the Chinese Communist Party. And the Biden Justice Department dissolved the China initiative. So I guess I'm wondering, does the department have any documents uh, that would detail the basis for why you got rid of the China initiative that President Trump had set up? The Assistant Attorney General for the National Security Division gave a long speech which explained that. He has testified before Congress several times. We'd be happy to provide you with- What's the, the basis? Just tell us all now. What, why, why was the China initiative dissolved? What, uh, uh, the, what the Assistant Attorney General said was that we face attacks from four nation states, North Korea, China, Russia, and Iran, and that we need to focus our attention on the broad range of these attacks. Sometimes we but, don't but, but know. Wait a second. You don't, are you saying that North Korea has the same malign influence risk to the United States as the Chinese Communist Party? Are you, are you trying to represent there's some parity there? Because here's what it looks like. It looks like the Chinese gave all this money to the Bidens, and then you guys came in and got rid of the China initiative, and it was successful. Like, I, I saw one rationale that you guys got rid of the China initiative because it was racial profiling. But, but one of the people you convicted was a guy named Charles Lieber, who was a Harvard professor taking $50,000 a month to do China's bidding and give them whatever research was being done. Are, are you aware of the millions of dollars that moved through Rob Walker's shell companies from Chinese Communist Party entities into Biden family bank accounts? Are you aware of that? There were a lot of questions that you just asked. Let me start with the first one about North Korea. North Korea is a dangerous actor, both kinetically and with respect to cyber. But not on par with China. I'm on I'm the not, armed services I'm not committee, in the business Mr. Attorney right General. Now it's, okay, it's, it makes you look unserious to suggest may that. May I answer your question or not? Answer the question about whether or not you know about all the millions of dollars that so moved to So you don't want Walker's me to answer into. about North Korea? I already know the answer, and so does everyone. They're not the same risk as China. So let's get on to serious questions and serious answers. Do you know about the money that moved through Rob Walker's shell companies, yes or no? As I have said repeatedly, I have left these matters to Mr. Weiss. I've not intruded, I've not interfered, I've not tried to find out it's what like he knows. It's like you're looking the other way on purpose it's because everybody knows this stuff's happening. And you know what, people don't pay bribes to not get something in return. Right? We, the, the China initiative resulted in the convictions of a Harvard professor, of someone at Monsanto. So we were working against the Chinese, they paid the Bidens, and now, we're, now you're sitting here telling me that I'm, North Korea is the big threat. I'm I gotta so, get to this one thing on January 6th. So did the, FBI, did the FBI lose count of the number of paid informants on January 6th? Let me you, answer your question about China. I China want you to answer this question. Most, I only get five minutes. You've already you, sort of, I think, screwed the pooch on China. So January 6th, did you lose count of the number of federal assets? Did you lose count and order an audit? Gentlemen's time has expired. I, I get an answer to the question of did, he, did they lose count? Well, let him answer the question. The time has expired. The, the Attorney General can respond. China is the most aggressive, most dangerous Mr. adversary Mr. the General, United I think States the... faces, and we are doing everything within our power to rebut that, to stop that, to prevent their invasions, both kinetic, both um, and through cyberspace, and we will continue. If, you, if to do someone that. gave that answer in your courtroom when you were a judge, you would tell them they were being non-responsive, and you would direct them to answer the question. Point of order, your time is entering uh, the witness. Uh, point of time order, is expired. I, I got it. I just, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was. You like your honor? You want to stick with that? Yeah, I, I was getting okay. laughed at to call me your honor. I point thought. of order, either way. Okay, I understand that too. Ha 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 ha. He ordered an audit because they're pressuring to look at the SES funds.
This is just a little tidbit, you know, your alleged media is not telling you. Those SES black petty cash funds that have, I think I had mentioned it was about 800 billion that they had in their access a few years ago. Uh, you know, <laughs> smile now. See, Merrick is doing, uh, what is it called? Uh, he's running interference. Oh, I need an audit. I need to know how many of these motherfuckers you guys paid with the SES fund. The same funds that were used to pay Christopher Steele, Nellie Orr, Bruce Orr, which Daniel J. Jones from the Penn Quarterly Group kind of helped. And I was going through the Ukrainian embassy that Ivanovich was sitting at. But, oh, uh, who, by the way, Storch's wife worked for as counsel as well. But, you know, I digress. So the senior executive service and Vice President Pence was part of the SES, right? Let's just make that clear. I think I've said that before. The federal government now, the FBI and the DOJ are being questioned. What's going on with that budget? Somebody gave us some information. Some loudmouth, round, smoking thing gave us some information. And this seems pretty tangible. Would you kindly show to us, you know, how you paid for all these foreign assets and how you paid for your confidential human sources and your confidential informants because you paid them how oh and once again jim jordan has documentation demonstrating this that he's been sitting on for a, a very long time so again he conducted the audit to find out how many of these rampant beds we're out there, right? You know, like those two guys that were flanking Ali Akbar in the nice trench coats, right? <laughs> Sorry, but Ali was helping the movement and he was going to talk next to the president. The fuck he is. Right? Right? Right. They all seem to be the same age as Ray Epps, by the way, too. I'm just saying. And it's so weird. <laughs> All these SESs. Ah, Vanina, where the fuck are you? But anyway, I digress. Let's finish this off quickly. All right. But the gentleman asked his question before his time expired. The attorney general did not respond to the gentleman's question. I was hoping he would respond to the question about the confidential human sources on January 6th. He didn't respond to that. I'm sure we're going to get, uh, we're uh, gonna uh, get uh, an answer uh, to that uh, later. Of course, now, Mr. Chairman. There, now were, there were the questions before that that he was not given a chance to answer. Understand, so but I, the witness might have thought. But the witness doesn't, Mr. Chairman, point of order. The witness does not control the time. Hang on, hang on. Exactly right. Members control the time. If they want to switch their question and focus on one more question that they'd like an answer to, I want to give the witness a chance to respond to that final question that Mr. Gates asked. He didn't respond to it. Someone else is going to ask it, I'm sure. We now recognize the gentleman from Tennessee for five minutes. Thank you, sir. I'll just follow up a few of the questions we were asked here. Did Devin Archer not say... Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Um, be clear, I only know about Mr. Archer from newspaper reports. I want to be clear that I kept my promise to not involve myself in this okay. investigation. Okay, now state it. He said in the, he, Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Secondly, did you say that President Trump, President Trump appointed Weiss, who then you appointed? Yes, President Trump appointed Mr. Weiss as the United States Attorney. 
So that, that should take care of that issue. And they say the, wep the department's been weaponized. Wasn't there an investigation of Mr. Gates and you didn't prosecute him? Justice Department does not make comments about its investigation. Well, we're not weaponized. If we were weaponized, we'd have done it. That was a beautiful exchange there. It shows we didn't do that. You are the... Oh, we didn't do that because we're impartial. We're objective. We don't take sides. We let Matt Gates go. Hmm? The more you know. The nation's chief law enforcement officer, and I appreciate that. And law enforcement's one of our government's fundamental functions. Crime is growing too much in this country and in my city of Memphis as well. Uh, um, registered to either party. His entire career was as party a career prosecutor. Are. I'm not asking. I really had to skip over Cohen because uh, he irritates my spirit. And, and <laughs> I don't like BS. A lot of BS. So let's go to McClintock. Oh, God. Here we go. Gentlemen, uh, Mr. McClintock from California is recognized. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, looking again at the appointment of, of Jack Smith and, and David Weiss, th this double standard of, of justice couldn't be more glaring. Uh, Jack Smith was deeply involved in the IRS scandal that targeted conservative uh, political groups to harass. Uh, his malicious prosecution of former Governor uh, uh, McDonnell was unanimously overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. Chief Justice uh, Roberts rebuked Smith directly for attempting to, to criminalize political activity. You appointed him to prosecute Joe Biden's chief rival for the presidency. And then we have the appointment of David Weiss. Weiss deliberately allowed the statute of limitations to run out on any charges that could have implicated Joe Biden in influence peddling. Uh, he originally offered Hunter Biden a sweetheart deal that was ultimately upended by the court. And he's the one you appointed to pursue the charges that could implicate Joe Biden. That leads me to only two explanations, either corruption or incompetence. So wh which is it? Those are the kind of questions that judges would rule out of order. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you would. <laughs> Which is it? Look, I, I said before, and I will say again, Mr. Weiss was the Republican-appointed United States Attorney, appointed by oh, but, President but this, this, Trump. Do you at least, do you at least see the obvious uh, double standard uh, applied in these two appointments? Mr. Weiss was a Republican appointee. Mr. W Mr. Um, Smith is uh, not um, registered to either party. His entire career was as a career prosecutor. Are. I'm not what, asking what their not party registrations like are. I'm asking about their records and how those records would commend them to the appointments that you made. This is a question of judgment and it's a question of motive. What was motivating you to do this? Mr. Smith had a nationwide reputation for integrity uh, and for uh, oh, please, appropriate prosecution. <laughs> His work can be measured by what he actually has filed. Everyone in the country can see the indictment. How can you that say that Those... after he was so heavily implicated in the IRS scandal or, or the rebuke that the Supreme Court gave in many other examples? But let me go on. We've had two uh, uh, IRS whistleblowers inform Congress of attempts by, by senior Justice Department officials to obstruct the criminal investigation into millions of dollars of ill-gotten and undeclared income to Hunter Biden. They noted several deviations by department officials from normal process that provided preferential treatment, in this case to Hunter Biden, a direct quote. 
including allowing the statute of limitations to lapse, requesting IRS and FBI management level investigative communications, prohibiting investigators from referring to the big guy or dad in witness interviews, uh, excluding the... So let's uh, pause right there. Statute of limitations, I guess, would apply to Hunter Biden, right, as they say. But if Hunter Biden wasn't the one that had control of the funds, it would go to the conservator, which in this case was a man that was writing emails for him and arranging things for him on behalf of his pops, right? Because even pops called the big guy big guy. He even said it on his quid pro Joe conversation. So again, maybe a statute of limitations for allegedly for Hunter, but not for Joe. I mean, he was vice president. These are un unprecedented crimes. Investigative team from meetings with defense counsel and notified defense counsel of, of pending search warrants. The U.S. Attorney's Office even tipped off the Bidens of an impending search of a storage unit where their records were being kept. Now that sounds an awful lot like obstruction of justice to me. Was that coming from you or from somebody else? I'm sorry, I don't under, under was that coming from you? I don't, I don't understand the question. Uh, all of the actions that your employees took to obstruct the uh, investigation of Hunter Biden and the tax earnings that he uh, made and the taxes he failed to declare their source and ultimately who they were paid to. I'm, I'm going to say again with respect to the Hunter Biden investigation that it has been and still is in the hands of Mr. Weiss, an appointee of President Trump. I don't know about all of these allegations. Some of them appear to have been from the period when um, the Attorney General appointed by President Trump was still the Attorney do, General. Do, do these, do these uh, charges trouble you at all? Mr. Weiss will have an opportunity to explain the decision. Well, you're the guy made. in charge. Does this trouble you? I have intentionally not involved myself in the facts of the case, not because I'm trying to get out of responsibility, no. but because I'm trying to pursue my responsibility. Your, your uh, FBI director testified before this committee of an uptick in, quote, known or suspected terrorists coming across the southern border. And he told us that the southern border represents a massive security threat. Those were his words, a massive security threat. Do you agree? I am I'm, I'm perfectly happy to align myself with the director of the FBI. Well, why is it then that we have seen your administration rescind the Trump era orders that had secured that border? We've seen an exponential increase in suspected terrorists. Time of the gentleman has expired. The witness can respond. He chooses. I mean, this is a, the answer to this question about um, 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 uh, immigration law is an extremely long answer. I would defer to the Department of Homeland Security. All right. Before we end today's show, let me tell you something about the border that is a concern for me, right? Immigration is a hot topic. The Guardian put out an article yesterday about Andres Domingo. Now, Andres Domingo is an undocumented, uh, you know, alien, a Guatemalan native who made multiple allegations of sexual assault at the Chrome Detention Center 
within the United States. Now, DHS had substantiated the claims. There were witnesses, there were everything, which made this Guatemalan eligible for a U visa, meaning undocumented immigrant that can come. And this is a special visa uh, that's given to victims of crimes like sexual assault to stay in the U.S. So Andres was actually a victim. So Domingo, a Guatemalan native, was raped and sexually assaulted at the Chrome Detention Center, and therefore they are allowed to have this visa. But it just so happened that the DHS suddenly reversed its decision, which means that Domingo can no longer qualify for the visa. Now, he and his lawyer are confused and upset about what happened, especially since there's evidence actual evidence and witnesses to back up the statements. And so the reversal to not grant this person a visa doesn't make sense. And it suggests that the system isn't following its own standards. Now, ICE says that they're committed to making sure detainees are in safe conditions, but declined to comment directly on why they reversed their decision on these allegations. And apparently, uh, the attorney for Domingo is reaching out to members of Congress to get more transparency. Huh. And now, speaking of that, we have seen that California, I, and I talked about this when it happened in Louisiana for porn verification, right, that porn sites have to get verification. And someone had put out a comment that was pretty interesting. It's actually quite funny how porn.com never gets hacked, right? But the law, which is the California Age Appropriate Designation Code Act, the CAA DCA, is one of the most recent bills seeking to childproof the internet by demanding age verification checks by users. Now, one might say that, oh, this is, this is good. You know, we keep our kids safe and, you know, everything. But this is being required by online businesses and social media platforms to estimate the ages of their users, they say, and to make sites to take measures to protect children. But here's the implication that we have. NetChoice, which is a trade organization representing tech companies, challenged that law in court, and very rightfully so arguing that it violates the First Amendment rights by essentially leading to censorship, which is 100% true. The judge actually, hearing that case, agreed with that perspective, saying that the law's age estimation requirements would not only fail to protect children, but might also make things worse by requiring more personal information to be collected. So there are privacy concerns, right? Because rather than, under the guise, and I've told you this, they will say, oh, well, it's to protect your kids. Do you not want your kids protected? This reminds me of issue one in Ohio, right? Don't you want your kids protected? Yeah, you do. So then we need all your information. We need a digital ID to know who you are and what you're browsing. Okay. 
because this is how they collect more personal information. And on top of that, the law, if passed, could lead to widespread content censorship, making it so that with your digital token of who you are browsing the internet, you're not allowed to view certain things or you're not allowed to go to certain websites. What? You mean online banking? Yeah, you're not allowed. You're a third rate citizen. You can go to Walmart and cash your checks. So it's not just affecting, you know, minors per se. It's affecting everybody. And the ruling, obviously, that was happened, you know, through this judge can serve as precedent for similar laws in other states prompting lawmakers to think how they approach online safety for minors without infringing on constitutional rights. Now, considering child pornography, which is quite big, or things like, uh, you know, OnlyFans, I would actually be for uh, things that have X-rated content for people to actually give their identity. Sorry, that's how I feel. And that's basically it. That's the only one that actually, you know, I can stand by and say, well, when you're classified, it's almost like, you know, you're not allowed to take this medication because it's controlled substance and the DA needs to know that you've been given the script because it's oxy and you could be an addict or your doctor can be issuing you too much to get you addicted, you know, intent to medicate or distribute, right? So, there are certain things that can be done to protect our minors from creeps, right? It's almost like, oh my gosh, did you guys hear about the case? Oh, let me not forget. So there was this guy, right, who, a dad, who called the police. Oh, I'm trying to remember which one. Uh, he called the police because uh, his daughter, who was 11, uh, sent um, lewd pictures to an old man online. So he called the police because he wanted the police to tell her how wrong it was and file a report. I kid you not, I, the state escapes me because I read it on the fly because I've been just that busy, right, putting together reports. But what happened was the police turned up and the dad was like, yo, you're late. I wanted you to talk to her because I saw this and this is illegal. And they were like, we should charge her for, you know, creating child pornography. The fuck you will. This is despicable. That you know, the police would even think of saying the child had some kind of implication or asked for it or created child porn on her own, you know, when it was an older man requesting these photos, you know, the sugar daddies online. That's what they do. They ask little children to pose in promiscuous positions or uh, do a video and follow their instructions and send it to them. And this is how they create child pornography. Then they sell it. They make money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is unbelievable. I think it was Alabama. Correct me if I'm wrong that it was the police in Alabama that did this. But that is unacceptable. Unacceptable. Now, having said that, I have to bid you goodbye. I did three hours when I am on a crunch today. But, you know, I had... Um, high res on, which I thought was important to see the artists for who they are uh, and hear them themselves. Uh, hopefully I can get Samson on too at some point. He's dropped some serious, serious, serious music. And I wanted to showcase it. I mean, you all know how I feel about Tom McDonald too, right? 
because art is to assist us in telling a story. That's what folk songs were for. That's what ballads are for, right? And it's important for us to understand that every mode of art assists us in cultivating the who of what we are. And in the 70s, there was a revolution, right? And if you remember, it was all, we love each other, we're everything. We're right back there. We're right at that cusp. <laughs> Not at the age of Aquarius, but I guess. <sighs> this is going to be so hard. These, these next few months, I mean, Christmas will be great, but it's going to get pretty interesting and it's getting pretty vicious pretty fast. It's um, very humbling, I would have to say. It's um, extremely, extremely troubling. The fact that we're at a proxy war and our Senate and Congress are approving it. We have elections that are being questioned, not for the first time ever in history, that everyone wants to ignore. We have black budgets funding judges and criminal informants and, 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 and. We have people in Congress that are just more focused on getting reelected, so they're doing just enough to get themselves back on the mark, sitting on shit when they should be pouring it all out. We have, you know, Rudy Giuliani being sued by his own attorney for attorney fees. And he even put his apartment on the market. And I always said, oh, I want that apartment. It's just really bad. And then people are going to go, why isn't Trump paying him? Because it's called obstruction of justice or colluding. He can't. He did hold a fundraiser for him. But a lot of people have abandoned all the people that have been fighting for them all along. And that's what hurts. New gods versus old gods. Pushing their own soldiers to be at the top of it. So that way they can hold on to the reins. This is almost like Operation Reins. Only on another level. And then there's this OSINT Committee of Intelligence. Where they put all the lying spies on there that have admitted that it was politically motivated. Including John Brennan and Clapper. Which would be in a two-by-two -two cell for the crimes that they've committed. And many of the people on that list should not even be near any foot view that puts everything into focus that no one is paying attention to. It is the targeted, targeted pulling of threads to get this to all unravel that it's being missed because others know better. You know, I actually used um, chat GPT the other day before I go, uh, four, where I was like, hey, tell me about Tori Says. I kid you not. And I was like, okay, write me a conversation between Tori Says and President Donald J. Trump. Kid you not. The words used, like ChatGPT knows me very, very well. <laughs> it was like super spot on. I did try it for other influencers. ChatGPT did not produce a conversation sim similar to what they would be saying. In fact, it was so generic that when I took Jack Posobiec's name and asked for the conversation, Steve Bannon's, Candace Owens, Ali Akbar, Roger Stone, 
The conversations were identical. The more you know. God bless. I'm hurting. I can feel my money draining. They take everything I'm making. You wonder why I'm complaining. I break my neck to make this money. Then they just come and take it from me. My wages ain't that great in the first place. I should be paying you nothing. But they keep on coming. And they keep on taking. These motherfuckers go ham on me every time I bring them the bacon. And I wonder what it's for. Ukraine, great funding a war. Have we spent enough yet? Should I guess not? Look, here they come for some more. Fuck me, I'm sore. Sucks being poor You had the same job for the last six years Wasn't struggling before Back when Trump was in office Fuck all the junk that they called him I never saw any of the shit that people always said he was in the comments All of it was nonsense I ain't even trying to ride him either I'm just saying you gotta admit This shit was fine when he was the leader It was fine when he was in charge I never saw bills as high as they are I never got chills just literally thinking about Filling up my car It shouldn't be that way I don't care about Russia or Ukraine But I do care about my own country Is that insane? I care a lot about all the tons of money that we're paying because it's mine, not yours, and I'm the one that feels the pain I get taxed on my fucking ass for every dime I make It'd be fine if they would spend my money wisely, but no way It'd be great if they would take it and pay for important shit that benefited you and me And not just wage your wars with it And where the fuck are all the liberals? I thought Sheen was your enemy Now you're friends with it? Now you wanna go to war? Now you wanna fight? Now you wanna pick sides in a feud where everyone is white? Now you wanna get involved and go and blow a person up? I'm just saying, I'm surprised this altercation ain't diverse enough no one deserves this stuff i just don't believe the tears you weep countries with brown people get bombed every day i don't hear a peep you fucking hypocrites thought the race thing was your shtick i thought as long as white people were involved you don't give a shit those are your words not mine i'm just wondering why why do we have endless money for them and none for hawaii why is it every time Zelensky needs a loan from someone we're the only ones that give it to him like we owe him something we got issues of our own here at home that no one's discussing and they keep growing because no one in power is gonna do nothing we're stuck how the fuck we gonna help somebody else when we can't even reach inside our own pockets to help ourselves we could allocate that money to our own people in different ways to clothe and feed and bathe and let them know it'll be okay we could definitely do that don't tell me it's not that simple people overcomplicate this and make it some fucking riddle like <laughs> can't just feed everyone are you insane you know how much that costs way less than we've sent to you Good, honest, hard-working people, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on, continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all, at all, at all. And here's just a little tidbit for you. I wonder why this village, that's 99.5% population white, considering how enemies are all white, is getting so much money from the Fed. Tons of money. Section 9, Section 8 housing for Hasidic Jews? The fuck out of here. Did you know that it's one of the most congested populations? The population density is almost of that of New York City in regards to ratio. It's quite interesting. People in uh, New York should be taking a look at this because it's quite fascinating when you see your federal funds going to a small village that doesn't seem to need a lot of help just pointing some facts out and this is for another time god bless everyone and don't forget 
In the age of information, ignorance is a choice, not, not something that's forced upon you. God bless.